Hey everyone, this is uh, episode 43, Martha's Wineyard. <laughs> you can guess what this is about uh, tonight. Uh, I'm not going to do too much setup because uh, I think people are going to have thoughts about what we witnessed this week with both Greg Abbott busing migrants to Washington, D.C. and leaving them essentially right on Kamala Harris's front lawn uh, three days after that she said the border was secure. We also saw Karine Jean-Pierre say this exact phrase about a week or two weeks ago from the White House press podium. She went largely unchallenged on that assertion because we have a media that has completely uh, abdicated its duty uh, in favor of political narratives that they agree with. So we saw two GOP governors this week basically punt over their heads and say, uh, we're going to we're going to take this now right to the public and dare you to ignore it. And of course, they did not ignore it. Uh, I'm specifically referencing Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who sent, I believe, two airplanes of about 48 to 50 migrants to Martha's Vineyard, um, that vaunted magical vacation place that also just happens to house a former president and several celebrity slash millionaire billionaires. And it's a, va- it's a favorite, not only vacation spot of those people, but it's also a famous fundraising spot for people like Hillary Clinton, Harvey Weinstein, etc. Uh, as much as basically as soon as the plane landed, you ha- you had what amounted to a political and media freakout over it, which uh, also just raised several questions about uh, if my- if Martha's Vineyard can't handle fifty migrants. Why do they think that El Paso or McAllen, Texas can handle a couple hundred thousand? And of course, as I said on my podcast, they have they had no good answer for any of this. Um, and I would still contend that they still don't know how to play this. They have no idea. They tried the human trafficking angle. And then today you saw Eric Adams say he's going to start doing the same to Florida. Um, DeSantis uh, basically used the same guidelines that the Biden administration has used to fly migrants all over the country pretty much since the first day that he came into office. And so I guess there goes your human trafficking angle. Uh, On top of this, you had migrants who said they were happy to be in Martha's Vineyard. And you have, again, a media who's trying to paint this as Martha's Vineyard doesn't have the infrastructure to house these people. When you have several uh, private mansions, you have several rich people who could accept these people into their homes and into shelters and into churches, which uh, they did for exactly about 24 hours before today. They were removed by bus with the assistance of the National Guard, 125 National Guard troops assisted the removal of these migrants from Martha's Vineyard. And so as I contend on my podcast, uh, these people continue to just step on rakes that were laid before them. And I don't know if it's because they They've not faced this problem before. They don't know what the argument is. I would contend that's part of it. Or they think that they have a media who's protecting this idea of 50 migrants on uh, Martha's Vineyard as some grand human rights abuse, but 48 migrants found dead in a trailer who were essentially cooked to death back in June in San Antonio was not worth the coverage. And so they are proving a point here. And I would argue that this is a perfect political stunt. Um, There's some contention on the political right, and I talked about this today, about um, is is this something that should happen? Is this playing with people's lives? Is this using them as political pawns? 
And this is where I kind of break. And I would say that this is not about Trumpism. This is not about owning the libs as they want to, as people like a Charlie Sykes at the Bulwark and others want you to believe. This is a policy stunt. This is rooted in immigration policy, which the Biden administration has failed to enforce at the political border. And as I said, uh, at the, sorry, at the southern border, and as I said today, how much more are red states supposed to do uh, and take for this? This has been going on now. Record, uh, record crossings, record deaths, record drownings. Um, again, record fentanyl coming across. And so you're seeing record amounts of violence. And that's not an exaggeration. So I guess my question to anyone who did not like the nature of this political stunt what would you have them do from here on out? And I also saw uh, a political left columnist such as Jonathan Che. We saw Tom Nichols, uh, basically the entire crew from the Atlantic, uh, suddenly invoke religion and Jesus and good Christians. When several uh, people of Martha's Vineyard delivered food and supplies for these migrants last night, which was good. That's what you should do, uh, especially when you believe no human is illegal and so forth, uh, they started invoking the religious teachings of Jesus. And I had a great tweet today where someone said, you know, when the political left starts bringing up Jesus, that something went really bad for them. (laughs) And uh, all humor aside, I would pretty much agree with that. And so what we saw is to them, the caring of 50 migrants is what good Christians do. However, as I said today on my podcast, you had a chance to listen, you have border states that are caring for thousands of migrants in shelters, in centers, in rec centers, in uh, detainment facilities, in churches, and all along the southern border. And that goes for Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, some California, and of course, those that were also flown to Jacksonville by the Biden administration were flown to Jacksonville, Florida earlier this year. And so uh, for someone who is, I'm not the, the biggest practicing Christian, but I'm pretty sure that I know Uh, I see a dishonest, basically, uh, narrative when it happens that somehow caring for 50 migrants and then shipping them off to a military base is what good Christians do. But red states and conservatives in red states and shelter workers in red states caring for hundreds of thousands of migrants somehow is not being a good Christian. The point of this stunt was to land the immigration crisis right on the front door of our media, and it worked. And as I said, for the most part, they still have no idea how to handle this. And attempting to use Jesus or religion to shame isn't going to work because we know you've been ignoring this ever since Joe Biden came into office. We went from literal concentration camps on the southern border to all of a sudden not even knowing what the southern border is or where it is or how it exists or whatever. It has gone missing completely from coverage. And of course, we all know why. Um, Batia... Uh, Ungar Sargon today had a couple of great thoughts that I echoed uh, in my podcast that this is not about race. This is they try to make it about that, but it's not. This is about class, and it's also about uh, who who is allowed to use migrants as political pawns and who isn't. Um, we saw this from the coalition of the very concerned on the political right. We saw it from Lissafar Griffin, the new host uh, of the View and pretend conservative, and. We saw this from more moralistic, preachy conservatives and people on the right today in media basically saying they don't like seeing migrants used as pawns. And what they're failing to address is the fact that Biden administration is using them as pawns by letting them in the country, cutting them loose on the street, 
or even then flying them to their preferred destination. There is nothing here that happened that the Biden administration has not done already. And that is why Karine Jean-Pierre today uh, basically had no choice but to just bobble her head and fumble over her binder looking for answers. They don't have any answer for this. Um, but Badis Unger Sargon had a great couple of thoughts on this. One of being this, the Martha's Vineyard debacle exposed the central principle at work in most of the progressive agenda that rich white progressives love policies that make them feel good about themselves, but only so long as they benefit it from it economically while also the working class pays for it. And I, I could not sum this up uh, better myself with how she did this. You're talking about a political ideology that feels great. Uh, when they put a black square on their Instagram to show support for black lives, but uh, probably would not be caught in downtown Detroit at 2 a.m. if their life depended on it. And so this has exposed several hypocrisies, exposed the hypocrisy of rich white progressives who want nothing to do with those icky brown people who can't speak English. They don't want them on their island. They don't want them hanging out on the street corner. They don't want them hanging out at the Home Depot. But it's okay if red states take them. And red states are now expected to take all as many of them as the Biden administration sees fit. And as I said today, those days are over. And so I wouldn't argue that this is about owning the libs. I wouldn't argue that this was uh, Trumpism. And as I said, Trump is mainly about himself. The stunts that Trump pulled were about him it, walking out to the church and holding up the Bible and doing that shit. That was about Trump. This is, a, this is about policy. And you have several GOP governors who I think have just said, we've had enough. We are at max capacity in our shelters, in our systems. You're advocating for this policy. You're a self-declared sanctuary city. So now you guys take care of it. Um, I do personally think that this was a genius political move and, and, a, and a brilliant policy stunt. And uh, very rarely have I ever seen both the media and the political left put into a box where they, they have no response to any of this that cannot be countered by their own actions and deeds and words. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, I know some of you already have words, but don't be afraid to jump up there. Um, I, I've been quietly giggling to myself like an idiot for over the last two days, and not so much because of the, the flights. It's the fact that they walked into every single bad reaction that you could think of, whether it was comparing migrants on Martha's Vineyard to trash or Martha's Vineyard residents basically saying, we can't care for 50 people here. Uh, they can't decide if Martha's Vineyard is one of the wealthiest communities in the country or if it's a desolate hellhole uh, that is somehow not uh, as accommodating as an underpass in Del Rio, Texas, in sweltering 100-degree heat. Uh, so this crisis has landed right on their doorstep. And as I noted, you could count the amount of journalists that, that were uh, dispatched, if you will, to Martha's Vineyard. And it was basically five cameras for every one migrant. And as I said, 48 migrants back in June uh, were cooked to death in a tractor trailer and they didn't say peep about it. There were no camera crews dispatched when 1,100 migrants were shoved under a Texas underpass because of a caravan. The national media barely covered it. Well, now you're covering it and uh, they're going to continue to force you to cover it. So, again, welcome to the new rules. And as I said to me that this is not Trumpism, it's not owning the libs. This is essentially wartime conservatism. It's, it's, it's offensive conservatism. 
And to anyone who deplores the stunt and who doesn't like it, I'd love to hear suggestions on what you think they should do, because sitting back and allowing the Biden administration to basically flood their states and flood their social net systems while people in New York and San Francisco and Martha's Vineyard and Washington, D.C. just simply nod at their own virtue, uh, those days are over. So that's my monologue for the beginning. Um, like I said, feel free to jump up with any thoughts you have, reactions, things maybe you, you didn't see covered that you have thoughts on. Um, and like I said, we'll probably go for about an hour because it's our Friday night. Nobody wants to be stuck here uh, unless you do. Um, I'll try to get through everybody that I can. And like I said, as usual, a couple rules. Just make sure, uh, keep it short, keep your point short. And like I said, uh, some people are going to go longer than others because it's just how the nature of the conversation goes. But just be mindful. There's other people behind you. And uh, and second, if you could, please mute your microphone if you're not talking. It's that little icon down at the bottom. And then also, um, if you need, if you want to speak, but you're not sure how, just look at the bottom there and you should be uh, jump into the queue. And then if you're for your first time, just make sure you unmute your mic. And then, like I said, uh, if you're not talking, it helps to mute your microphone. It helps for people listening. And then it also helps me concentrate. I have two French bulldogs behind me gnawing at bones, and that's already distracting me enough. So anxious to hear your thoughts. I want to hear what you guys think about this. Was it good? Was it bad? Do you like the reactions you're seeing? Um, and where do you think this goes from here? So I'll go ahead and take uh, Ashanti first. And we'll go Matt, Zach, Talmora, and I see you guys all back there. Samuel's back there. Uh, and I know uh, Matt, Matt C. has uh, a lot to say as our resident Massachusetts guy. But go ahead, Ashanti. Hi. Uh, I'll be really brief because you, you already answered the question that I had, you know, gotten in the queue to ask, which is like, how is this going to play with the, the normies, you know, as a political uh, as far as the political impact, um, it, I kind of wanted to get your take on it. And you kind of answered that when you said this was brilliant um, political strategy. So I'll just, yeah, as far as the normies, it's going to get them to pay attention to it. And if you if you pay attention to some of the you know intellectually honest people on the left, people like Shantanus Robian, for instance, who said this, the, the, the political left just doesn't pay attention to the border. They don't care about it. Uh, they cared about it when Donald Trump was there and we had literal concentration camps there. Um, and so I would argue that that's probably right for a bunch of normies. And again, you're in a midterm election. So this is something that's probably just another news cycle. It's it's the latest Twitter outrage cycle. And uh, again, most normies don't uh, don't obsess over Twitter the way that people like I do in media and other journalists do. What was really interesting is uh, we saw this tweet from the JFK library, and, and I talked about this today, which was a JFK library sent out a tweet basically saying that this is the Southern strategy all over again, to send poor black families north to troll politicians and what have you. And within 12 hours of that article, the Washington Post had an article on this, the NPR had an article on this, Jonathan Chait had an article on this, and none of these people, I guarantee you, knew that this was ever a thing until they saw a viral tweet. Steve Insekeep of uh, NPR even tweeted that he hadn't, he didn't know that this even happened. And then all of a sudden, NPR is a fucking expert on uh, Southern segregationists sending uh, black families to uh, Massachusetts in the 1960s. And so uh, what I thought was really interesting is there was an MSNBC clip today that I ended on my podcast with where they said, uh, apparently the, the migrants were grateful. They, they were thanking Ron DeSantis for sending them to a nice community. 
Uh, CNN had similar reporting. So I guess there goes your human trafficking talking point. Um, and like I said, they can't decide if, you know, if Martha's Vineyard is, again, one of the most exclusive communities in the country. And there are normies who live on Martha's Vineyard. It's not just strictly celebrities, but those people are there to cater to people who own million dollar homes and multi-million dollar homes. And I saw a great tweet that said this whole thing could have been blunted if like Leonardo DiCaprio or Larry David, you know, just said, fine, come on, I'll take you guys in. Come on. Or even if Obama did it, could you imagine that would have been the end of it? And the media would have been all hail Obama again. And that would have been it. And nobody did that. Instead, they were complaining that they were sent there. And then when they realized, oh, shit, this doesn't look good. That's when they said, oh, see, DeSantis' stunt failed because we're we're taking them in. And they missed DeSantis' original statement, which was, good, take them in. That's what we want you to do. You're a self-declared sanctuary city. We are not a sanctuary state. They're yours. Take care of them the way that you said you would. And what did they do instead? They shipped them out in less than 24 hours using the National Guard. And we all know how that would look if that was a Republican who did that, because we saw when when, uh, Tom Cotton wrote in the New York Times to send in the troops to quell protests in Washington, D.C., and, two, and a New York Times editor lost their job over it. So how the normies view it, I don't know if they view it through a political lens, but guess what? Every network tonight is covering immigration. Uh, okay, thanks. I, I'll just end by saying I, in the same sense as you, the last two days I've been laughing my ass off. I don't think I've ever seen a cycle on Twitter where the left has been more flailing and like every lefty tweet is like, a Wojak meme, you know, just like, like you, you can't make it up basically how, how badly they're, they're flailing trying to. Yeah. They don't, they don't have an answer for this. They don't have a comparison for it. We saw Chris Hayes saying, imagine apparently we, there was a civil, there was a civil rights attorney, an immigration attorney who uh, said that they, they were deceived. They were told different things and she gave a press conference and the media spread it around, except she offered no evidence at this presser of anything. She didn't show migrants saying this. She offered no, they said they were handed a card with a name. She didn't show this card or the name or anything. And so I'd like to see that. I'd like to see more, but I also have to say this, and this is not probably a popular thing is I personally don't care if these people think that they were tricked or not. We haven't seen evidence of them saying they were tricked. We've seen other people say this, but the ones that are coming directly from them, they were interviewed by Fox in Washington, D.C., where they said, yes, the, the border's open. We just fucking walked across. And this is the problem that Kareem Jean-Pierre and Kamala Harris have, which is if the border is secure, how is it you're spending two days bitching about migrants being dropped off in Martha's Vineyard and Washington, D.C.? Another thing that... And, and I'll get to Matt here because I know he's anxious, but they cannot tell you every t- in every tweet and every piece where they say that this was a heartless, cruel uh, uh, stunt. They cannot tell you why they can throw out the tweet. People like Max Boot and people like Charlie Sykes, who you should go back and see his immigration tweets. Who oh boy. Um, they cannot tell you what was cynical and heartless about this. Uh, and if they say using people as political pawns, as, again, what is the Biden administration doing when they're flying them over the country? Is, is, is it just they have a different intent? So which is it? And so, yeah, they, they, they have no good answer for this. We saw Chris Hayes. He said, uh, imagine if you were told you were going to be, 
you know, dropped off in, in Phoenix and then they dropped you off somewhere in the Sonora Desert, you'd be pretty upset and that wouldn't be cool. And this is someone who is now trying to compare the middle of the Arizona desert with Martha's Vineyard. And this is why it was such a masterful stroke, because all they had to do was not freak out. They just had to take in the migrants, say, thank you. We will care for them. We will find them jobs in our community. We will house them for as long as necessary. There's several luxury hotels there that I'm sure that people could find jobs at. And instead, like I said, they they literally stepped on every single rake that they possibly could have. And that includes NBC News. Uh, including a quote from an immigration activist who said, this is the equivalent of me throwing my trash out. (laughs) NBC News deleted that tweet. They didn't delete the story. It's still there. But NBC News hasn't said why they actually deleted the tweet. Like I said, it's um, I'm kind of with Ashanti. It's very rare that I have seen them just stuck just completely, they have no answer for any of this. And um, they'll come up with something. They will. They always do. Um, but like I said, I think it was a, uh, an incredible, uh, political policy stunt, Matt fire away. I'll get out of your way. Miller. What's up, brother? Uh, nothing. I'm just, um, like I said, I've just been sitting here giggling like an idiot for, for the last two days. You you and I, you and I have very different opinions on the border, which I like. I appreciate your, your opinion. I'm a, I'm a Massachusetts guy. I actually just got back from the vineyard was over there last week. Played farm. It's a lovely time of year. It's a lovely time of year to visit lovely time of the year came back with covid i'm actually trying to get over it right now by whacking back a couple budweiser's um the i i had a very different reaction when this was originally announced a couple months back i didn't like the idea because where you and i differ i think these people should be humanely sent back over the other side of the border we we can't have a sovereign country with people just coming here illegally like, well, here's I, the problem: is they probably will be now. They're being processed at Cape Cod. Well, here's and the, most here's likely the, they they will be deported. And again, this is something that does not look good for the Biden administration. Yeah. Should that happen? So I've come around, and and this week was was my early Christmas. I enjoyed every moment. I haven't been this gleeful probably since I was six, waking up on Christmas morning, um, and getting a Red Rider BB gun. This has just been a great week. Uh, my perspective as somebody who lives here is. And who wants DeSantis to be president? I think this is his opportunity, and this is the reason why politically um, they're going to come after him no matter what. And this is going to be the thing they think they can basically say: "See, he was worse than Donald Trump." They're already writing the stories, and this is the perfect political story for him to use back because he can justify it and he can stand up and argue why he did it and point out all of the hypocrisy from the media and the Biden administration. It's actually extraordinarily politically savvy if it wasn't the intention long-term, but I think probably had to be a little bit of uh, a little bit of calculus there on his part. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, of course this happened the same day that Abbott sent uh, migrants to DC, which he's been doing. And I think what's interesting at is you we saw if you're if you're glued to the Twitter webs like some of us have to be, um, you saw a reaction against DeSantis that <clears throat> dwarfed uh, dwarfed any response to Greg Abbott, and that's when Greg Abbott was you know sending them to New York and sending them to Chicago over the last they've been doing this for the last few weeks, 
And of course, then you would have Lori Lightfoot and Adam speak up and put their foot in their mouth. Uh, we just now have, as I'm listening to you guys and as I'm doing, uh, DC Mayor Muriel Bowser, quote, we are not a border town. We don't have an infrastructure to handle this type of and level of immigration to our city. We're not Texas. And this is my point, is Texas is just expected to deal with this problem. They're just expected to put up with it. And the reaction that you saw of DeSantis, you know, not doing busfuls of people, uh, 50 people to Martha's Vineyard uh, was nuclear. And, you know, they really do tell you um, not so much who they're afraid of, but that I think you know when someone's over the target. And they also, and I do think that they see him as uh, a possible presidential candidate just as much as the right does. And so uh, I don't know if this was done to kind of shore up anything. I don't, I don't think DeSantis thinks that way. Um, Can I give you a little inside baseball and in what's going sure. on in Massachusetts? Yeah, why please do. This- That's the only reason I took your call. Thank you. Go fuck yourself, too. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the inside baseball, which is really interesting, is I have some friends here politically, um, and the Congress and Senate passed the bill, which is obviously Democrat-run Senate and Congress, that legal immigrants can get driver's licenses. The insidiousness of this is if you register now in Massachusetts and you get a driver's license, you can register to vote. So the Democrats want to increase um, <clears throat> the amount of obviously uh, registered Democrats by by basically using illegal immigrants as pawns to do it. So I have people locally here that I know that are petitioning because our, our squishy governor did veto it. However, they override they overrode his veto. So now there's a petition to get this on the ballot, and it's got the signatures. And a couple of my uh, friends who are in politics are knocking on doors. They've been knocking on doors for 30 years in the state. They know which people will will not open the door based off of the issues, and they know the people to avoid. And they are knocking on every door, and it doesn't matter if they have a coexist bumper sticker on a Prius, they're signing the petition. They don't want people here, it, but, they, but they'll put the lawn sign up, but they don't want it in their backyard, in their own sanctuary. And it's just so rich, and it's so telling of this. The Mount Rushmore of, of nimbyism, Massachusetts, is, is right on it. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a term everyone likes to use, and out of my backyards, and that is a very popular thing among the political left. And that's why I, I pointed out what Batya was saying, which was it's, it's easy. It's easy to put, you know, a, a black square in support of black lives on your Instagram. It's easy to say no human is illegal. It's easy to put that sign in your window until 50 of them come into your shop. And then it's, oh, shit, you know, um, now it's now it's you're bringing down the value of the community. Um, now it's, you know, uh it's an eyesore and oh, and now we can't house you. And it really is. I hate to use those terms. I hate, I don't like using the term NIMBY and I don't like using the term virtue signal. Um, but in this case, it really, really is. And it was just astounding to me. Like when you see people like Muriel Bowser, just say, Hey, we're, we're not a border town. We're all for wanting people here. We just don't want you here. Okay. We want you over there and we'll accept you in the country. And the same thing with Eric Adams, who's, you know, we, no human is illegal. We will take you all. Remember, Eric Adams just last month or two months ago uh, said, you can move to New York and say gay all you want. And everyone, oh, okay. And um, 
So then, of course, they ship migrants off to New York City because who wouldn't want to see New York City? You just trekked across Mexico from fucking Guatemala. You probably hid in the trunk of a couple of cars and you almost fucking drowned swimming across the river to get here. Oh, and also the border agents probably whipped you. Um, so why would you want to go? Fuck, I'll go see New York City. Yes, please. Yes. Take me there. Put me up. Put me up in a hotel room. I'll see the Statue of Liberty and I'll find work. Um, there's a lot of job openings in New York City right now. And so Eric Adams, with the influx of just a couple migrants, said that this is an emergency that is going to strain our social systems. And I, I'm just I'm in disbelief that I I'm at the point where I'm asking, is the are Republicans paying these people to say this shit? Because all you had to do was just go, OK, we'll take them. What else you got? And send, send them all here. I mean, and we'll I, take care of them. And you, I don't you, typically... you don't want to take care of. Them. And this was my problem today seeing journalists and especially journalists on the political right and people at places like reason, which I know they're filthy libertarians, but whatever, um, who are basically saying, you know, you apparently don't want migrants in your state anymore. And, and this is not a burden. And it's like you fucking people, they've been caring for hundreds of thousands of migrants for months upon months now. And then 50 get shipped to Martha's Vineyard. And all of a sudden you think it's xenophobia. And you're also talking about a community in Florida that happily takes in Cuban migrants. Say, yeah, come on. Yeah, we'll take all of you. If you can flee Cuba safely, you're here. We'll take care of you. And then they hold up in a Cuban community. Um, the other thing that this just doesn't track is it tracks with, you know, how Hispanics are shifting over from Democrats over to the GOP. And so... I do. I, I just see a level of panic that I have never seen from these people. They, it's like they don't even understand the debate. Like I said, here's Muriel Bowser saying, hey, we're not a border town. You're Washington fucking D.C. You're the capital of the country. And it's like you're sitting here saying, oh, we can't take a few hundred people. I'm sorry. We're full. And you don't – I mean it's – again, I, I'm, I'm at a complete loss. And you know, I saw on your whole thing about humanely sending them back, it's interesting because – Carrie Lake basically said this, where she said she was against this. She goes, these people should be sent home. And I saw a good chunk of the political right agree with that. Like they're they're against this because you're just you're flying these people into the country. You're essentially just doing what Joe Biden wants, regardless if it's at Martha's Vineyard or New York. And as as you know, I'm not that kind of strict border hawk until we fucking fix it. They're going to keep coming. And Joe Biden just overlifted Title 42. Because remember, we're not in a pandemic emergency, except we are when we have to waive student loan debt. Now we're still in in, an emergency. Um, And so I look at this and I just say they're going to keep coming. They they are coming from failed nation states like Guatemala and Cuba and Venezuela, um, which is ironic because we just dropped them into Martha's Vineyard, which those people have the same politics as uh, Maduro and Venezuela. Um, and so we have to deal with them somehow just standing there and not letting them in is not, it's not feasible. It's, it's not possible. Even well, though they're well, going to come. If you, if you have a, if you, if you disincentivize, and I know you're not a border person, but if you build a really big fucking border and you put two moats on each side of it with crocodiles inside the moats, like they're that's not the Herman, the that's the Herman Cain plan. Yeah, like, I mean, I know it sounds extreme. I don't really mean that, but like... You're talking about 2,100 miles of moats and alligators? <laughs> I mean, I, mean I, I, know, I know you're somewhat being facetious, but again, there's... No, no I am. They're I still, am. They're not, still going to find a way. They're very, they're very getting, industrious getting... people. They're willing to pack themselves into tractor trailers to come here. And so it's not that I'm an open border guy. It's not That's not what I am. I'm for, I'm for measured controls and limiting it as much as possible. 
but this is where I've always broken with the GOP on this is you have, you've had people like Ann Coulter and you've had, you know, nativists and things like that to say, send them out, kick them out, whatever. And I've always thought because of this idea of replacing demographics and what we're starting to see is that's not necessarily happening. Um, you're going to see the Democratic Party become the strictest border control people probably after this midterm election. Um, because of the way demographics are going. And I've always said, if you believe your ideas are righteous, and if you believe your ideas about America, especially about America, are righteous, like someone like Ann Coulter does, then you should believe that you that those people will follow you and that you can convince I, them yeah. of your ideas. And, and here's where you and I agree. I actually 100% agree with that. I just think we have to have some sort of, to your point, there needs to be some sort of control with this, and there isn't. And you have administration that's incentivizing people to come across yeah, but here, here's the re- the reason they're incentivizing people to come across is because they, and this is this is ultimately because they're using as political pawns to gain votes. Correct, or they're trying to change demographics is essentially what it is, and they and our media can scream about replacement theory all they want. I can pull every single, I can pull a ten minute montage of Democrats saying this that this is they're going to flip Texas, they're going to turn Texas blue in the next fifteen to twenty years. Well, how do you plan on doing that? You're not moving from New York. I mean, that's probably part of it. We, we're starting to see that in some of those metropolitan areas in Texas, like Houston and San Antonio and Austin, obviously. Um, so they're, they're planning on doing it with demographics. And here's the, I mean, but here's the problem. It's not working anymore. You're seeing, you're seeing a trend of Hispanic voters tilting toward the GOP because these people are very hardworking. They don't want handouts. Um, they're they're oftentimes religious. They believe in big families. They don't believe in you know the twenty something sex in the city lifestyle of a BuzzFeed journalist. That's not who these people are. And so, this idea that you're going to flip states like Texas demographically, this to me is why the freakout is. And they can't say it because then there goes the whole replacement art theory news cycle that you know Tucker Carlson's a Nazi and this is just replacement theory, whatever. But that's ultimately why they don't want these people in Martha's Vineyard or Massachusetts or New York or Chicago, because making them new voters doesn't do anything. You're already a deep blue state. Well, I I, I can actually argue against that because the the Obama administration did this in Maine. And as a New Englander, there was a, a, there was an issue. There was a a crisis in Somalia and he relocated some Somalian refugees. And he picked a very small time town in Maine called Lewiston, Maine, blue collar town, probably more conservative in a very, purplish state with 1.6 million people and who knows how many people actually vote up there you know 600,000 maybe and I'm not saying that relocated them tilted the uh, state to a blue state but they purposely the the, the idea is that Obama administration willing wittedly knowing what they did said hey where can we put these people where it's a little reddish and it might hey swing swing an election or swing swing a congressional district so uh, they, i think they're, they they this has been done before just people don't talk about it or know about it um right if you go back and you and you look at obama's plan with syrian refugees and how that you know uh, of course all went over and i was and i was for the most part even pro syrian refugees uh but these aren't this is the um the problem with the classification here, and this is how the Biden administration is getting around saying the border is secure, is they're saying these are asylum seekers, and then they say they're refugee, except those are two different statuses uh, as far as the country is concerned. Did Matt just decide to quit, or I guess he did? Um, and so, again, they're, they're going to come, and if they're going to come, 
then you have to figure out a way to accommodate it the best you can. And Texas is basically saying we, we're we've accommodated all that we can. We're you know what we have people going shoving it under underpass. And all you simply do is say to them, do you people believe that Martha's Vineyard is really worse than a Del Rio, Texas underpass in a, in a hundred degree heat? And that's the, that's what they're trying to sell you on. They're trying to say, we cannot take them in Washington, D.C. We cannot take them in Martha's Vineyard. We cannot take them in New York. Uh, but El Paso, Texas can. And I don't, as far as normies are concerned, I don't see anyone who actually will ever believe that. The, the left will. They'll believe it for political purposes. But that's about it. Uh, Zach, if Matt, I don't know if Matt meant to drop there or not, or if he's drunk, if he's shit-faced, or probably, you should all be shit-faced. It's a Friday night. I am not. Zach, how are you? Go ahead. Well, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm not shit-faced because I have cancer and I've been taking opioids and so I tend to, to not mix alcohol with morphine. As much fun as that would have been over the past couple of days, um, had to finish all our business returns by September 15th. So I had a couple of 4.30 a.m. work work nights. Um, but, so, are, so wait, are you, are you just on the opiates then? Yeah, yeah, I'm just on morphine right oh, now. Nice, so, so this will be fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I actually, I, I enjoyed the, the meltdown a lot. It, uh, I mean, it it gave me something to go and laugh at while I was losing my mind working, and so I I loved it. And um, as I'm reading it, all I can think is, are these motherfuckers serious? Like, you can't be this dense. Like, it's not possible, but they are. I just think that they they don't know uh, how to argue this. They're, they're content to say, as I said, they're, they're content to say, you know what, uh, no borders, because ultimately that's what I think that this boils down to. If you, if you see where the political left is uh, with this equity talking point and you believe borders are uh, inhumane and imperialistic to begin with, which is what they believe, um, that's even Marx Bay has said that then you just believe, hey, we shouldn't have a border because that's imperialistic. And by the way, we're on stolen land anyway. That is where they're at. So once you realize that, that, you know, hey, we're, we're, we're on sto- Texas is stolen land from Mexico anyway. So just let them in. Well, they fundamentally probably don't believe that Martha's Vineyard in New York City is fundamentally stolen from Mexico, at least. They believe it's stolen from the natives, um, which is why Elizabeth Warren's not too happy about any of this. But if you fundamentally believe that the border itself is a racial construct and that borders themselves are just what that is. And if that's your starting point, now you know who you're dealing with, in which case that they, they are fine. They're they're hundred percent fine with caravans and hundreds of thousands of people just pouring across that Southern border, which to me is what it is. That's what they actually believe. So again, my question to the professional right who is poo-pooing this and frowning upon it is what do you expect them to do? Do you expect Greg Abbott to sit there and take it? Do you expect DeSantis to sit there and take it or Ducey for the time being to sit there and take it? Um, I, I just don't see how that's feasible anymore because I mean, the Biden's border policies are outdoing essentially Barack Obama's, but that's to be expected when your domestic policy advisor is Susan Rice. 
um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with, with everything um, you said. And this is going to be a weird tie-in, but I actually heard a biochemist give a lecture years ago, and he was actually trying to um, formulate a, a drug that could be used to help people that were addicted to meth. And he said, when he was looking at the stats for all the harm that meth had caused, he was wondering why it wasn't a bigger deal. And he said his advisor told him a problem is never really a problem in the United States until it reaches New York. And so when this or DC, there's there's a lot of truth to that. And that's mainly because you have a media system that is based out of those two cities or Los Angeles. So that's, and so so when this, when, when, um, you know, the open borders ended up hitting DC and New York and now Martha's vineyard because of who lives there and who has vacation homes there. Now it's, it's, they have to blame it on somebody, but they don't want to say that it's their border policy. And so that's when they go to um, Greg Abbott and Ron DeSantis are, are committing human trafficking. And everybody I know has looked at it and they're like, do they really expect us to believe that this is human trafficking? And I'm like, well, I, think they want you to believe that i don't know if anyone's actually naive enough to believe that outside of um you know these these circles you've talked about and yeah i mean what's what's interesting about that this this idea that they're this is human trafficking and this is this is a narrative again that this white house picks up from twitter and that our media picks up and then floats to the white house which is they see someone posting you know someone like lawrence tribe for instance who has just gone completely off his fucking rocker. Um, you know, he, he floats the idea that, you know, this is human trafficking under U.S. code, uh, you know, whatever it is. And then you get the very smart journalists who are friends with Lawrence Tribe going, oh, yeah, that's, that's what this looks like. It's human trafficking. It's smuggling. And then it gets to the White House, and then they pick it up. And this is a perfect – this idea that they're making this their primary talking point is a perfect example of what I mean about ruled by Twitter and governed by Twitter is they basically, they, they find the narrative that all of their friends are saying, and then they say, okay, this is what we're going to run with. When in, in reality, someone like you or someone like me just goes, this is purely fucking insane. Um, and I guess if it's human trafficking, I guess you better call the police and you better have them arrested. And even Corinne Jean-Pierre, who said, you know, they're smuggling, whatever, even she said yesterday, she was pushed by, I believe it was a PBS reporter who said, uh, have you or the Justice Department looked into whether or not this was illegal if human trafficking occurred? And she said it like three times. And Green Jump here is like, I'm not going to comment on that one. I'm going to, nope, nope. And then today they're, you know, they're, they're running with that, uh, their attitude. And of course, they cannot justify and they cannot say how putting people on airplanes who, for the most part that we know of, and they said that they willingly got on them, um, is human trafficking, but the Biden administration committing the exact same act is not. And this, again, is what I mean, how they, they do not have a good answer for any of this. Um, and as well as you're basically saying, well, no, human human traffickers basically put people in zip ties in the trunk of cars. And that's not what's happening here. They're on airplanes. Um, Karine Jean-Pierre said, you know, that DeSantis 
campaign or whatever filmed uh, the, the planes. And I think that he did that for a very good reason, which is to show that the conditions on the planes were clean. They weren't in squalor. It wasn't like this was a cargo plane where they had to have a chicken on their lap the whole ride. And then they got shoved out parachute style at, at the very end. Um, we saw that with the buses where Abbott gave local media a tour of buses and said, here, they get snacks, they get water, they get a nice big seat, they get a television that comes down the mat, they have a bathroom. Um, this is probably the most comfortable journey these people might have ever had in their life. Um, and so this idea that you're being smuggled or you're being human trafficked, you just simply say the Biden administration has been doing this through the Department of Homeland Security for the last two and a half years, and these people have said nothing. I, I expect the Biden administration to say nothing. I expect like corporate media to say nothing. I expect people like 60 Minutes to say nothing. But then when you get like Ross Duthat, you know, playing ignorance or Alyssa Fargraf, and I, for the most part, don't have a problem with Ross. Um, but when you have like that professional uh, coalition of the very concerned somehow furrowing their brows at 50 migrants when the Biden administration has been flying hundreds of them for the past two years, I'm sorry, it's not going to stick and it's not going to fly with people. And they can't answer it. It's the same reason. They can't answer why this was heartless or why this was cruel, why flying them to one of the most elite, uh, rich communities in the country, the one of the wealthiest communities in the country is somehow cruel but just ignoring them while they cook inside of a tractor trailer somehow is not cruel. Well, it, uh, it basically comes down to, I mean, it's like you said, if it's, if it's your team doing it, you'll ignore or excuse any and everything. When it's the other guys, we have to go, you know, we have to turn everything up to a 13 and freak out. And, and I mean, it's the same as with the concentration camps. Those camps had been there for years. Obama built them. I mean, even the pictures that were yeah. being shared around with that, the, the That was one of my favorite, last during- favorite moments was John Favreau from Podbros <laughs> posting a photo uh, of his that, that happened when his old boss and he just deleted that and the, and again the media walked away from it they didn't say oh shit you know that was Obama who did this as well um, this is Obama who constructed these centers with the cages that we say and that's what you know that's what this whole thing is again this this idea of being human trafficked is just the new kids in cages and once you realize that you just you give them the proper response which is basically a giant laugh and an eye roll yeah yeah and um so it, it, you know, to me, it, it's it's been it's been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed uh, laughing hysterically at it. I've needed it this week um, just because of work. And um, when you work with the tax code more than once, you'll go, "Why the fuck do we do this? This doesn't make any sense." And then you remember, "Oh, we do this because of Congress." And it still doesn't make any sense, but at least you know why you're doing it then. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, I would I would say that that's mainly their response. Like none of n- their responses to this is none of it makes sense. It's like it, because they can't they can't argue against this. They don't have a response to it. So, uh, Zach, because you're uh, you're on your cancer and you're on your your uh, morphine, I'll give you a last word. Go ahead. Oh, I'm uh, I'm actually about to start packing. I go to Houston this week to find out 
if I have more cancer or less or the same amount. Um, so keep us keep us I mean, keep us posted. I will, I will. And I actually had a point when I first called you, and for the life of me, I can't remember what the fuck it is now. Yeah, you're wasting so. our time, Zach. Jesus, you and your cancer. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Zach, it's fine. Well, yeah, look, <laughs> you do this, and I'm going to, like, call Make-A-Wish, and <laughs> just, you're going to have to listen to me the whole time. You're going to be my Make-A-Wish. Your, your, your Make-A-Wish is going to be host an episode of Versus Media Live. And, and I'm going to have to let you. Yeah. And or, uh, you will get canceled for that one. Because or I can I just will... say, no, no, I'm sorry, Zach. Uh, my brand is too important. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> then, then the articles will be conservative commentator is more concerned with brand than yeah. uh, cancer patients, dying wish. Yeah, oh, I, do rem- I do remember it. I do remember okay, it. Now. Okay, go ahead. Um, you know, we, we talk about, you know, the max boots and, and those are saying, well, they're using people as political tools as if their entire life hasn't been using people to go fight these pointless wars that they all consistently um, push for. I mean, their entire political ideal is, is pushing, is using people they don't know and they they never have anything to do with to go fight in in wars overseas and so i found that to be yeah. kind of laughable that now we're now we're supposed to believe they they give a shit about anybody but themselves yeah and i mean it's it strictly comes down to who pays them but i mean i know i know that's a cliche and that's said old but um even even if they even if someone like, you know, Charlie Sykes or Bill Crystal is sitting there going, oh, that's that pretty smart of them to do that. They know they can't say that. Uh, Town Moron. Good to see you again. Go ahead. Hi, Steven. Uh, good to be back on. Um, I'll be, to full disclosure, I actually didn't even realize I had hit the button to get in line, but it uh, works out. I, I have something that's been in my well, car. you better figure out something you know, then. Yeah, yeah, no, I Don't did. Waste I had time. time to come up with something. <laughs> it's, it's, it's gonna sound like uh, to start. It'll sound like a bit of a digression, but I promise I will tie it all back. Which is, uh, I've, I've got kids. You know, I joined the PTA at their school. They go to a public school, and I went to the meeting this week. And uh, you know, everybody was talking about where is the budget going to go? What are we going to do with the money that's been collected? from all the parents' dues, et cetera, whatever, you know, other fundraisers that's left over from the year before, stuff like that. And um, somebody got up and said, oh, you know what I think would be just great is if in, you know, if we took the money that we have and we just sent it to, uh, you know, a more disadvantaged school, uh, if we found a school somewhere else in the area that didn't have the resources that we're so fortunate to have, and uh, and just gave the money to them in the name of equity, you know, et cetera. And and I mean, I you know, I have never before uh, felt tremendous need to make a comment, but you know, to me, uh, and where I will tie this back, it was just so emblematic of so many progressive positions, which which are uh, much like this. We're perfectly fine with a policy if, at the end of the day, what it really involves is uh, sending away someone else's money 
or making some other state feel the pain. And for God's sakes, not disadvantaging me because of course, any one of the parents who supports that idea could send any amount of their own money to any disadvantaged school that they thought really deserved it. But they'd rather go to some meeting and vote to send away the money of hundreds and hundreds of parents who all donated specifically to improve the school that their children were at. So, uh, you know, again, I, I think that's exactly the same of putting a sign on your front porch in Martha's Vineyard that says you believe no person is illegal and then by God, getting them out of that church and off that Island as quickly as humanly possible. <laughs> um, I mean, tying it into education. I mean, a, a popular case about this was Samantha B and Jason Jones. Um, which this really just silently killed Samantha B's credibility that you didn't see people talking about it. People in the media didn't talk about it, but they knew it did. And so they just stopped promoting her. They stopped sharing her clips, which was uh, Samantha B and primarily her husband, Jason Jones, who both were commentators on the daily show. And I actually thought Jason Jones was a little funny. He, he, he's good kind of playing the straight guy when he's interviewing someone. Um, but they fought New York school integration, which was, New York was looking at passing a policy or a law uh, a few years ago, which was going to allow essentially not full school choice, but they were going to kind of in the name of equity, they were going to allow basically poor students who uh, weren't getting a fair education at some schools uh, to attend uh, richer schools in, in you know, upper Manhattan style neighborhoods. So you would essentially have kids coming from Harlem or the Bronx crossing the bridge to come to school in sort of more affluent areas of, of Manhattan. Now, when you say affluent area of Manhattan, everybody thinks Upper West Side, but it's pockets. It's, you know, there's pockets of neighborhoods and New York is just kind of what it is. Um, and Jason Jones and Samantha B fought this. They fought the school integration because they basically didn't want their kids going to school with poor black children. Um, they had different reasoning for it, but that was essentially what it was. And this is, again, this is the, the same thing that you're seeing, um, especially with, you know, again, Martha's Vineyard celebrities, rich celebrities who, you know what, they give up, they get up and they give them passion speeches uh, at award shows and what have you. And I know we just had the Emmys three nights ago. I didn't watch them, but whatever. And then, again, when it comes to them, when it comes to their lifestyle, it's, uh, no, this is not good enough for me. And I know one example people love to use is private security. They come out for gun control, and then they hire private security. And I don't have a problem with them hiring private security. They're, they're famous people. They can afford it, whatever. Uh, but the issue really with Samantha B and fighting the school integration thing to the point to where, like, even BuzzFeed and Salon and Slate were like, this is bad. Um, this makes you look really bad. And eventually Jason Jones just said, we're done talking to the media about this. And that was for the most part, the end of Samantha B's career in wokeism and her show still lingered on for two, three years, but she was eventually her show was quite literally canceled, uh, just this year. And that's why you didn't see a lot of people sharing her clips. And that's why you didn't see a lot of this, uh, because that became a huge news story in New York that her, her and her husband were essentially leading that push. They were the lead activists on this push to basically keep, you know, poor black children in their neighborhood schools, which were failing uh, while their schools had more affluent students of, you know, white. And certainly we know about uh, the, the problems in New York schools and how segregated these neighborhoods actually are. This was kind of the problem also today with this example of, NPR Washington Post and Jonathan Chait, 
saying, you know, white supremacists and white segregationists used to send black families north uh, and, and that, as a as a point, you know, and then drop them off and say whatever. And ultimately, as Zed Jelani pointed out, that the South has become infinitely more desegregated over time. Um, even, I mean, it's still heavily large African-American. There's still cities that are very poor. But when you compare that to what's go- going on up east in New York and in Boston, these are places that are extremely segregated, uh, if not, you know, in name, but with black blocking, with redlining. And so it does, it absolutely ties into what we're seeing again with immigration here, which is, you know what, Texas, you should be able to take these people and border states should be able to take these people, but don't you dare put 50 people on our little island. Um, and that's, that was the other part of this that I think was particularly smart is it wasn't 400 people that you could not make the case that you dropped off 2000 people on a little island and therefore overwhelming the populace there to prove a point, you dropped off 50 people. And for them to then come out and say, we, we don't have space for you. We have a housing crisis of our own. Oh, wow. What's that say about the current state of the economy? And so these people that were interviewed by the press and our media, they just, again, they're private citizens, but they just walked right into the trap of, like you said, you can put a yard sign uh, but then when the policy comes and lands on your yard, suddenly you're against it. That's Iowa Hawk. David Burge had still to, uh, these, one of these fish-shakingly angry tweets that I saw. And I mean that, by the way, of, I just I hate that I didn't think about it, uh, which is, well, 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 isn't it the consequences of my own yard sign? <laughs> I, I saw that one, too. Absolutely perfect. Uh, I, I will just say uh, I have lived – both coast, north, south, been in probably 47 different states uh, overall. I used to tour around. I've driven cross country about 10 times and uh, uh, 100% can confirm uh, when I lived in the north, uh, which is where I grew up originally uh, in the Pacific Northwest, uh, you know, I, I think I knew about three non-white people and they were all Asian. And uh, it, it wasn't until I moved to the South where um, I, I actually lived in a community where, you know, really nobody gave a crap one way or the other and people hung out together. So, um, you know, again, anecdotal evidence for what it is, but that, that was 100% my experience. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, you're, you're dealing with communities and especially places like Martha's Vineyard, where I do think that they live where they live, where they can preach their nonsense, but not have to deal with much of any of it. And, and an island is obviously a secluded community. Um, but it's also, of course, you know, it's it's halfway between a very affluent community or community. And then you also have workers there. And this is why I just I literally cracked out laughing at Jessica Valenti's uh, Twitter thread yesterday about, you know, this is a blue collar place. This is not just millionaires, billionaires who live there, whatever. And she's like, I've been going there since I was a girl. And I just, I just could not. It's, it's just one of those I read. And the second I read the line, I was just, I was almost on the floor in fits. So um, yeah, there's this, as I said, this exposes a lot of just naked hypocrisy and it's not just on on immigration it's on education it's on again like i said what Batia 
Unger Saren said, which was, this exposes the classism. And you know what? This whole this whole thing like NBC comparing them to trash, it reminded me of when Hillary Clinton, I think, was at Martha's Vineyard. I think she was giving a speech at a fundraiser, Martha's Vineyard. and uh, Or it might have been in upstate New York where she, they're supposed to be like honoring DACA recipients or dreamers. And she said, you know, many of these dreamers come from places of the people who are serving us tonight. And you just, like your mouth hits the floor that they say this and that when they do it you realize that that's what this is about this is you know what this is a you have a progressive coastal party elitist party now um who believes that you know minority groups and ethnic groups uh are made to serve them but they they kind of cover up that self-guilt by like i said putting a a a trans rainbow acceptance flag on their instagram to make themselves feel better so uh i'm gonna go ahead and move on thanks town moron um, we're gonna. I'm gonna try to get through everyone that I see here. Julia, we're gonna wrap up with Julia, who I think we usually do. But uh, Kevin, go ahead. Hey, yeah, thanks for uh, taking the call. Just kind of a couple of quick thoughts. I, my initial reaction to the entire event was very positive. It kind of felt like one of those moments where it's like, oh my god, the Republicans are actually going to grow the balls to fight at a level where we felt like they weren't capable of moving beforehand. And thank God that they actually did and made Democrats kind of live up to what they've been talking about for so long. Um, But the second part of that is I hope they can find a way to translate this into something other than the immediate media reaction, which I think is relatively positive across, especially the purple areas right now. But I hope they can find a way to translate that into some type of legislative or even local activism type movements uh, after this. I mean, yeah, I see what you're saying. If if there's no follow through on any of this and it just comes off as like, you know, a stunt that you're hijacking the news cycle on. Um, but I think that I think that to even get this administration to be talking about something other than our border is secure. I think that that's what was so brilliant. That's why I don't think this was necessarily, you know, planned out with the intention of a presidential campaign or anything like that. Um, I mean, you forget two weeks ago, Karine Jean-Pierre said, hey, the border's secure. What do you want from us? We're taking care of the problem. And if you saw her today, this is this double speak that they're trying, which is we accept all humans. We're not we're not like Hitler fascist concentration camp Trump. But then she says, oh, but we're it's it's Trump who broke the immigration system and we're fixing it by deporting more people. And it's it's breathtaking that the media lets her get away with that. Um, and so I think that the goal was pretty much already accomplished. You got, you have Kamala Harris saying the border is secure and all of a sudden a bus full of migrants get dumped onto her front lawn, like literally almost onto her front lawn. I know that that's kind of a, you know, a thing like Rush Limbaugh would just be like, this is what you should go and do or whatever. Um, but yeah, they just dropped them right off in front of the Naval Observatory and then they wait for this incandescent rage. How dare you? How dare you use these people as pawns? And then you go, what are you upset about? You said the border is secure. If the border is secure, like you said three days ago on Sunday night TV, it was like 60 minutes or something, um, or to Chuck Todd or whoever it was on Meet the Press, then why are migrants sitting on your front lawn and saying that they came here illegally? They had a Fox News reporter um, saying, yeah, we came here illegally. It's open. We just walked across. And that was another thing the White House press secretary said last week, which was, um, that's not how it works. People just don't walk across. And 
easily fact-checked. And as I said, this is a this is an verifiable lie that continues to go unverified by people like Daniel Dale at CNN and Glenn Kessler at the Washington Post because they know that this will make the Biden administration look bad. Um, I mean, for the most part, and we saw this, we just saw this with Martha's Vineyard. It's not even so much liberal or it is, you know, conservative. People don't want waves and waves of undocumented people coming into the country. Um, that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It doesn't mean that, you know, there's going to be spurts, there's going to be caravans, they're going to get stopped or whatever. But that's, I think, what this proved is that even people in Martha's Vineyard are like, we don't want these fucking people here. Get them out of here. Um, and people don't want unchecked illegal immigration. Um, we can debate on, you know, what's the best way to handle that. Do you do it with a fucking wall? Do you do it by overhauling the visa system? Um, but they don't even want to have that debate because, like I said, they just the left, the progressive left position is basically starting on we're all on stolen land anyway, so a border is unethical. Um, and so I think they've already made the point, kind of getting back to what you were saying, I think they've already made the policy point. Um, you know, I guess if it were me and if you wanted to keep doing this, there's a few Senate races that are up for grabs right now um, up there that, you know, could probably do from a stunt like this. I don't know. Put drop some of them off in Philadelphia. Let's see what Philadelphia says. Let's see what Frankenstein, shotgun Frankenstein attempts to say about this. And so I do think that this is something that could be an election issue. And I think for the most part, most people are just saying, yeah, this is a stunt. And I saw this as another great tweet. Um, Bill Malusian Today, filmed with a drone, he's Fox's border reporter. He's the only guy down there. You don't see a CBS border reporter. You don't see ABC, NBC. He, uh, him and his Fox crew have a drone, and they flew over uh, 500 migrants coming into El Paso, Texas. And that gets zero coverage that this is even happening. What did get coverage? A political stunt. So guess what's going to happen? The political stunts are going to continue. Total, totally agree. I think that makes perfect sense. And I agree with your point, too, that places where they, they can press the advantage on this issue, they need to be doubling down on it. I think when I look back too, there was kind of a precursor to all of this where Abbott and DeSantis, this wasn't out of nowhere. Like they talked about this months ago. And so people at that point were saying, this is a, a stunt and it's going to make the GOP look hypocritical. And I don't know, they're going to just uh, undermine their own positions on certain things and whatever else. But these are kind of the exact places that the GOP needs to go if they want to actually press these issues and make people confront the hard decisions that people need to make within policy to actually make changes that are going to be relevant to their you know, constituencies. But I think that they need to double down on that and, and not be afraid to actually continue with these types of policies. But that's just my last two cents. Appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, there's two... There are two governors in this country that I'm really not worried about not doing that. And uh, Abbott, and, Abbott and DeSantis are two people that they just I, – I don't think that they give a shit. I don't think Abbott cares what Joe Biden or what late-night TV hosts are saying. And we, of course, already know that DeSantis doesn't care about that either. So thanks, Kevin. Samuel, welcome back. Thanks. I do just want to do a quick update for SEAL Team since he asked in the chat. No, but I've not gotten my Biden bucks yet. Um, so I'm, I'm still waiting on those, but I don't really want to rehash that. Um, not right now. Anyways, we can in the future, but this was one of the best news cycles that I've experienced in a while. You know, like abortion Twitter's pretty awful. Uh, January 6th, Twitter is pretty awful. 
Um, there's just stuff that, you know, it's really easy to check out on, but my God, this was, I, I was literally like crying at one point because it was just mainly what this was, morning. What was your, what was your favorite part or favorite reaction or favorite thing that you were seeing? Narrow um, it down. When I woke up this morning and checked Twitter for the first time and I saw that they were already busing the migrants out in the morning after the whole night of them doing the whole Jesus thing. And then you wake up and they're busing yeah. them out. With, it was with so the funny. troops, with the I National like, Guard, like they had to activate the National Guard to go and, and, get, uh, and get rid of 50 migrants. And I said on my podcast today, what Abbott should do is he should request federal assistance for the National Guard and say, look. You just activated it, and I think it was a Republican governor, but I would still just go to Biden. I would say, look, you guys activated the National Guard for 50 migrants, and you gave 125 troops. That's basically a two-to-one ratio. I currently have 200,000 migrants in my state and also trying to cross. I'm going to need, do the math, 450,000 National Guardsmen. Can you please send me that and just see what they say? I mean, that's... That's somewhere I would go with that and just say, you have to be kidding me. Um, and, and again, how the political left just ignored it. They went apoplectic over Tom Cotton. And every time that they talk about in border states activating the National Guard for this, you, you know what? You get, you get the squad wearing their white clothes down there protesting. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, there's, besides it just being just ridiculously funny and just fantastic – there's like a couple takeaways. Um, the first one, and I do just want to tie these into a couple tweets that I, I don't know if you've retweeted because there's just so many of them. Um, the first one, because I lost the Chasen Buttigieg one. I'll go pull that back up in a second. Um, Heath Mayo uh, blaming, um, he says, I want, well, you know, Heath Mayonnaise is our favorite uh, principles first Republican who blames everything Republicans do on Democrat or the other way around everything Democrats do on Republicans. I wonder if Abbott and DeSantis realize they are admitting Trump failed on immigration. Like what the hell does Trump have to do with anything here? Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. He did fail on immigration. I mean, that's un- undeniably true. I mean, he was better than Biden, obviously, but yeah, he did fail to like get the wall in place and actually like, you know, stop the tide at the border. But like, do you think Abbott and DeSantis give a rat's fuck about Trump? No, no, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, like I said, Trump's stunts were about Trump. This is not about, to me, this is, this is a policy stunt. And this is why people like Mayo. And like I said, the, the professional finger waggers have a problem with this is because this is a policy that they agree with. But they can't say it because of who their audience is, so they basically trot out Trump to hide behind. And that's that's what they're going to continue to do because that's the main character of their life. Yeah, and then the Chasen Buttigieg tweet, which I think yeah, is just I haven't, beautiful. Yeah, I haven't seen this. If it were me, and yeah, I was go ahead, push go back. Go ahead and read this because I, I, as I'm sitting here doing this, I'm kind of reading it, but I'm not paying attention to it. But go ahead and what is that? If it were me, and I was trying to push back against being labeled, quote, extreme, I wouldn't use taxpayer money to kidnap innocent children from a state I am not the governor of and fly them and their parents to an island in another state in which I am also not the governor. DeSantis is kidnapping children. Oh, my God. And, and the taxpayer money bullshit, too? Oh, fuck out of here. Well, yeah, the, the, talk, the talk about 
the human trafficking and the human smuggling angle disappeared when they learned that this is basically built into Florida's budget, um, which was approved. And they said part of, this, part of it was COVID relief, but part of it was um, he, he had put this in the state budget, which was using the taxpayer funds to transport, transport migrants out of the state if necessary. And that's when all of the, you know, the Lincoln dude suggestions of this, he's against the law, he's breaking the law, he's in violation of, you know, human trafficking. That's when all that talk ceased. Yeah, it, it's just, yeah. And Democrats signed off on that, which is great. Um, so my, my two main takeaways from this, uh, number one, spare me the, oh my God, this is so horrible bullshit. If you haven't tweeted about all the drownings on the border, if I mean, I think most mainstream media people did tweet about the uh, uh, the pressure cooker, the van where uh, 48 migrants got cooked to death. They tweeted about it for like 30 minutes and then just completely, uh, yep. you know, radio silence. But they at least did send out a tweet or two probably. But if you didn't keep following up on that story, if you haven't tweeted – because you could go look at these people's tweets. They haven't tweeted about the border ever and to, unless it's hitting Republicans for something, you know, they don't tweet about all the migrant deaths, about the horrible conditions down there. So save me the bullshit of all the people who are, oh, this is so unethical. This is so horrible. You don't give a fuck about them. So don't try to convince me that now you care. And again, you know, that plays into the whole, you know, Martha's Vineyard. Yeah. DeSantis is shipping them to the middle of the desert and abandoning them to die it, or no, he's actually not. Um, so spare me that bullshit. And then two is just the raw political power of Ron DeSantis. Like Greg Abbott's got to be feeling pretty good right now because, you know, he's in on this and he can just sit there and laugh. But he'd been doing this for weeks and it got a little attention, but not that much. Ron DeSantis sends two plane, two planes, 50 people and the entire internet goes to absolute shit. Like, again, I'm not saying he's running, though I think he's going to. And I'm not saying that, you know, he'd be a good president because of this or anything. But just the fact that he commands so much attention from both the left and the right. Like, it wasn't just the left went apoplectic on this. When he, you know, announced that he was doing this. The right, the you know, Republican media ate it up too, and it's like this guy has so much political power, and like it, even if you don't like this, even if you don't like what he did with Disney, it's you cannot deny how much power and influence he has right now in this moment, and it's why I just don't think you can write him off if he would would challenge Trump. Is this dude just and he doesn't miss again? You don't have to agree with every decision he makes. But he's not he's not pulled the Christy Nome vetoing the transgender athlete bill and going on Tucker Carlson and get getting wrecked. You know, he's not done anything where people on his own team have turned against him. And, and between this guy's instincts and just like his raw power, it's like it, it's hard to deny that this dude is he's the real deal. And it'll just be interesting to see where this thing goes, how much he wins by and what he decides to do. Um, yeah, I, I think you're, it's not so much about picking. He knows the right fights to pick, but he also knows how to explain the hypocrisy of the people that are attacking him. And that's, that's what's more important. And that's just something Trump 
can't do and Trump won't do because, again, Trump is primarily about Trump. Um, there's people going to argue what this what this was. Was this, you know, was this a shot for, you know, 2024? Is this I thought it was interesting. Someone did say that this is this is an indicator about how he would treat this crisis as president, which was maybe that is the answer. Maybe the answer isn't. Uh, building a wall. Maybe the answer is, okay, if you're going to come, we're going to process you in Texas, and then we're flying your ass up to Chicago. And which I wouldn't do that because I would, if I'm DeSantis, I would say I would never put you in a place that's worse than the place you came from. Um, (laughs) But maybe that's what you do. And it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing, because maybe that's what it takes for Democrats to go, oh, shit, you know, we can't handle this anymore. And if DeSantis decides to do that, he should, you know, just again, we're hype, we're hypothesizing if he's president, and I think that that's an interesting way of looking at it. someone. Someone on Twitter, I think it was Rod Meta, said that where it's like, this is this is a this is a window in how he would govern this thing as a president, which is again maybe it's not build the wall, maybe it's you you discourage immigration and maybe you deport. But for those that you can't or, you know, whatever, maybe that's the answer. You just put them on airplanes and you send them to San Francisco and you send them to, you know, Baltimore and you send them to Berkeley and you send them to Martha's Vineyard and you send them to Boston and you send them to these states. And then when the media kicks and screams about it, you hold up the order that Joe Biden is using to do this very exact same thing. And you blow it up on poster board for the entire country to see and say, I am simply following in the steps of my predecessor who created this policy. And so there, there's I mean, there are ways of explaining this, but you're right that he doesn't miss if often. And it's again that this is this is offensive conservatism and not offenses isn't offended. It's, it's like offense. Um, which is, again, this is when I, I, I'm not a fan of some of, you know, the, the anti-free speech stuff that's going on. Um, but again, with Disney, if Disney's, if Disney's going to start wielding their lobbying arm against conservative policies, then to me, they're fucking fair game. And any tax breaks they get or any public funding they get or their special tax status they get, strip it. Strip it all. We're not shutting you down. We're not telling you you can't operate anymore. It's just, hey... If you're going to actively go against policies of the state, then we're going to actively push back against you. And for all the finger waggers, the people like Mayo and those people who uh, this isn't this isn't what I'm for. How long are we supposed to fucking take this? And this is different than Trump. This is different than, you know, slapping Jim Acosta around. Okay, which is always Trump's worst thing. It's just because it's always a battle with him. Uh, and that's why Trump never really did anything like this. I guess he tried or someone suggested it. And, uh, Maggie Haberman was like, this is illegal. You can't do this. Um, good luck with your book, Maggie. Um, but that, that's why that this is, this is about policy. This is not just DeSantis doing a thing for him. just like it kind of was with Disney. It's like, are we just supposed to sit down and take the shit? Like, Mm -hmm as as mega corporations have decided we're going to put our finger on the scale now because you know twitter mobs are demanding we do so and journalists are demanding we do so okay if that's the game now we're going to fight back and we're going to push back against this stuff and so again um as far as biden's immigration policy which is non-existent he's just letting people title 42 is gone so it's just come on back guys if that's what it is I'd like those people to explain to me what Abbott is supposed to do. Is he just supposed to let the Biden administration do this? Is DeSantis and other red state governors that border, you know, like Ducey or possibly Kerry Lake um, or 
uh, people are, the, are they just supposed to let this happen? I mean, I, I guess I, I look at this and I go, that's why to me this, this is different than, you know, endorsing somebody like Trump, where it was just like, we just, Trump made us laugh and we love the fact that he slapped the shit out of Jeb Bush. I'm voting for him, you know? Mm-hmm. That's, that's a lot, this is a lot different. And this is also a policy that DeSantis can get up in front of the country and just simply explain. Which, you know, which he did. And he said today that this is a virtue signal where all of these people within this house, we believe in science and trans rights and black lives and immigrants and no humans are legal. And then he says, okay, I'm taking you at your word. And this is what I liked about his statement. It wasn't, it wasn't on the libs. It was, you call yourself a sanctuary city. You're the ones that gave yourself that declaration. You're the one saying we welcome people in. Okay, here they are. Take care of them. That's what we want. And then they go, whoa, 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 whoa. We, we did, you know, like Muriel Bowser is like, we can't do that. Well, you just said you could. So why did you say it? And that's why I thought his statement today was smart about this. Or is either today or yesterday we said, look, we're not a sanctuary state. As long as I'm governor, we're not a sanctuary state. You at, at Martha's Vineyard are, and you in D.C. have said you are, and Lori Lightfoot has said she is. And Eric Adams has said they are. So, okay, we are at max capacity now. We can't handle the volume and the load that is that is coming in at a rate that we've never seen in our country's history. So you're a sanctuary city. Give them sanctuary. And then the second that they get off the bus, it's, oh, shit, this is an emergency. And I, th- I think that above all is the hypocrisy that people see. And whether or not you're on the political left or you're a normie or political right, you can't get around it. You cannot get around the fact that these people are saying our social, our, the, the social safety net of New York City is at a breaking point. But El Paso, Texas is fine. It's the, you cannot get around this, which, again, is why they have no good answer. I'll give you the final word, Samuel. Yeah, and I would just – final point, I would just say, um, number one, uh, yeah, even if – like, for example, if you don't like the Disney thing, which is fine, just look at the, the, the fruits of that labor – the fact that you have all these stories about corporate executives saying, you know, we don't want to be the we don't want to be the next Disney. We don't want to be the ones who get attacked. So they keep their trap shut. It's like, OK, I'll take that. You know, you can strike down whatever he did in court, but he actually got results out of it. Um, and number two, um, we should all be laughing in the face of anybody who thinks this um, is backfiring or not working like Liz Mayer, for example who says that, you know, she thinks this is going to backfire. Yeah, she also thought the Disney thing was going to backfire on DeSantis. And you have all these people who are, you know, I think this is backfiring. It's backfiring. We should just laugh at those people because they're the same ones who believe that Tim Ryan is going to beat J.D. Vance by 10 points in November. So just laugh in those people's faces because they're complete and utter morons. Happy Friday, everybody. (laughs) Thanks, Samuel. Uh, I'm going to try and get through. Uh, I'm going to get through everyone who's in the queue here. Uh, I'm except uh, we'll see. I'm going to try to get JD in, but we'll see how we're doing on time. So Andrea, uh, I don't know if you were having tech problems or something earlier, but go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't know. It fixed it fixed itself, but other people said they were having the same thing. Where like when your phone goes to sleep, we can't hear you anymore. So. Like my phone goes to sleep. It goes to sleep. The phone. Oh. Like oh, so, oh like, go- so if you're listening and your phone shuts down, then it, sh- it kills the app. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah and this okay. only just started a few days ago. 
This has okay. never happened. That before. might that might have been what I was having a problem with on Tuesday, but I'll I'll, I'll Yeah, like you gotta keep me. like you gotta make sure you keep touching the screen so it doesn't like go to black, you know. Okay. I don't yeah. I don't so, so maybe I'll bring that up with them. But thanks to good to know. Yeah, okay. Um I didn't really have anything kind of specific to say, but I'm born and raised in Houston, Texas. I live here now. I've been living with this and I see it every day. It's a part of life. We've had to adapt and get used to it down here. I just, I don't get how a tourist destination is freaking out about 51 people when they get like tour groups like that coming off of buses every weekend. I don't understand. I don't get it. Someone's going to well, have to explain well, that, that to that, me. That, that, that should tell you what the nature of the freakout is about then, shouldn't it? Yeah, it's a school field trip group. You can't handle 51 people? I don't get, like, no. You're going to have to explain so it then to what? Me. So if it's not that, <laughs> right. They're, they're saying that we can't handle an influx of 50 people uh, on the island at the same You're time. You're a tourist I mean, destination. That's a, yeah, yes, right, you can. It's a, it's a packed ferry ride. So that, yeah. should, so that should tell you what the nature of their actual criticism really is. Yeah, they don't want to handle the people. That's, yeah, they just don't want to say that. Yeah, and you think all of this is really the whole political thing about, like, the Great Reset? I don't know if you saw my comment where I thought it's... Uh-oh, did her phone just go to sleep? <laughs> I guess this is a glitch. All right, I'll uh, I'll I'll make sure Colin knows about it. Um, we'll wait for we'll wait for her phone to wake up. The dead air gets edited out anyway, so I'll give her a minute. So there she is. Yeah, so, I'm so here. So there okay. is your phone went to sleep. So have you checked the settings? Yes, it did. Yes, it did. I was like, so, oh god, my phone's asleep. Now you're gonna have to talk faster. Go ahead. Okay. No. Okay. So I I don't know if you saw my comment, but. I agree with you a little bit that everyone, the libs are freaking out because of the political thing, but I think it's really just plain old nimbyism and xenophobia, but liberal kind of racism. You know how they think these illegal aliens are ignorant, so they must have all been duped before they got on the plane. That's, they can't yeah, read. They, they, they don't know that. what happened. Yeah, the media use yeah, that. Yeah, but you think everyone's flipping that. out because they really want the people to stay in Texas so they can flip Texas blue. I don't know. I don't think your regular like wine mom lib is that deep into it. I think she's just. I don't want those people. No, here. but I do think that the political media on the left is, and that's why you're seeing uh, the reaction from them. Which is yeah. this this you know an influx of people into our community who we who we automatically think will vote blue now whether or not they do or not is a, that's a completely separate issue because that to me would even be fucking funnier that you know <laughs> you send these people to Chicago and then you flip Illinois red that would be amazing um, but th that's a completely separate issue um, I think that our political media. And especially the political left, especially, you know, politicians on the left, the reason you're seeing this reaction is because a part of it is that it's that what happens if they, you know, they fly enough people out of Texas or whatever. And with the midterms coming up and who knows who can vote and who can't and in all of this stuff, I think that that has a good deal to do with this gut reaction that you're seeing. These people didn't think about their reactions. Right. Oh, they, just, no, they, just, yeah. they just got on Twitter and fired away. 
And what's that's funny what is do, day two, day three, they're going, still not. You know, yeah, we didn't think this through. And yeah. so uh, as far as like the normal wine mom, wino at Martha's Vineyard, He's I mean, yeah, out. I think you're right. But is but they those people also take their cues from people like Jonathan Chait or Eli Mistel or, or Joy Reed or MSNBC or wherever this was happening. And I think that that does play a part in all of this, that oh, yeah. um, that this is, you know, and again, they can screen great replacement theory all they want. We have these people on tape saying that that was their intention. Mm-hmm. So if you take away that and you say, well, you're not going to be able to, you know, settle down here. We're going to we're going to resettle you in Minneapolis or we're going to resettle you in Chicago. Or we're going to resettle you in Baltimore. We're going to resettle you in Boston. Mm-hmm. Those are all heavily, heavy, heavy, heavy blue enclaves that do nothing. Right. So this this if you look at their the whole idea behind unfettered, open immigration, open borders, we're letting you in and then you're going to come and you're going to anchor down in Texas and then you're going to become an automatic voter of the Democratic Party. I'm telling you what they believe. I don't believe. Yeah. This. Yeah, and then and then suddenly a, a governor comes in and says, "Hey, what? Maybe you'd like to go to New York instead." Yeah, the, fuck this hellhole, and therefore that family or that voter now is no, it's of no use to you in Texas, and that's why that's why I think the visceral gut reaction of a lot of these people has to do with that. Yeah, because their grand scheme is being undermined. And again, I don't know how grand the scheme is, but um, there, when you had this flip out over Tucker Carlson supposedly endorsing replacement theory. Um, no, again, uh, no, could, Tucker, could, like, dro- Tucker mentioned this like months before Abbott and all them. So, yeah, I saw that guy. So he's blaming Tucker for like planting the seed. Oh, that's yeah, of course. So, again, yeah. <laughs> so there's that. So if they're coming out, but again. Um, you have a better case uh, on Tucker and replacement theory if we didn't have your own fucking politicians on tape saying that this was their intention, which we do. I could pull a montage and yeah. uh, I think someone on the podcast um, pulled it today and I may play that tomorrow. But um, I think that that has a lot to do with this flipping out. And then, of course, yeah, the, the, the other part of it is just plain nimbyism. It's we don't want these dirty immigrants uh, yeah. in here. And, you know, it reminded me of uh, something that happened a few Friends of mine in Colorado sent me this story about um, there's a pretty affluent neighborhood in Colorado in Denver called Park Hill. Yeah, I've heard. It's, and, it's a, and it's an and it's an affluent liberal neighborhood. It's just North Denver. It's it's kind of out where the zoo is and the and the golf course that's down there. And these are all old houses, huge houses, not quite mansions, but pretty big. These you're talking about four to five to six bedroom houses. And the, all of them are the people that have, you know, these the signs in the yard, the Black Lives Matter, and this house <laughs> we believe, all of that stuff. And Denver, uh, I guess, is, in, is experiencing an influx of homelessness and encampments similar to Portland, similar to Austin. And because, again, of the politicians and the, and the no bail and the laws they pass there over fentanyl and things of that nature. And so they basically are the people who say, well, these people are homeless. They have nowhere to go. So we should, you know what we should take them and we should let them camp on the sidewalks. And because it's better than a shelter where they're going to get raped and beaten. And so, you know what, we need to build more housing, which is true. And we need more affordable housing and everything like that. And then a church in Park Hill said, we'll take you. And they, they ended up with like a huge encampment in the church parking lot, spilling over onto the sidewalk. And all of a sudden the people in Park Hill were like, we don't like this. We, yeah. These, Cause these are people are on meth. They're people addicted to drugs. They're young people. They steal, they break into cars. And all of a sudden they were like, we need to move these people somewhere else, which is the exact same thing you heard today from this lady 
uh, in the soundbite that I played from uh, Martha's Vineyard. She's just saying, we yes, can take well, care of them tonight. Yeah, so she's like, they're going to have to leave they, in a few they days. They need to leave tomorrow. Yes, so, yes. Because we just can't house you here. We can't, we don't have the You're space for you. You're a tourist destination. Yeah, there's yes. hotels. There's hotels there. And if it's the off season, they can get an activist group to pay for the hotel rooms. It's Jesus Christ, they raised, what, $40,000 on GoFundMe. And then when they shipped them out, they just said, oh, we're keeping the money. And it's, it's again, everything that they've done has just been borderline ludicrous in proving assholes like me right. And it's it's just been, it has been one hit after the other today. And now you have Mariel Bowser tonight saying, oh, we're not a border town. We can't take these people. As if, yeah. you know, El Paso, Texas has a better infrastructure than Washington <laughs> fucking D.C. They might with the way Bowser's treated DC lately and boarded up buildings and stuff, but right. But it's, there's just, it's like, beyond laughable. Yeah. And there's a million little towns along the Rio Grande. Some are like, you know, bigger like Del Rio with an actual like international border. And some are just a few ranchers who like live together and they share a zip code. You know, it's that they don't, they don't have any kind of resources for that. Bill Malusian just Bill had a tweet today where he shared like the the amount of clothing and garbage and oh yeah it's things trash. that are left that are basically it's you're right it's not like a community it's not like a town it's just like placed across these are private ranches they have to go through and they have to clean this up themselves and then they found a body and it's just yeah. like how is this how do you think that this is any better than these people staying at a place like Martha's Vineyard it's it's beyond right shocking. and you remember when Trump was in the media did flip the fuck out about the death of that seven-year-old migrant remember and didn't it turn out to where like it wasn't the border patrol's fault that she died or so, the kid that who's who was sick the whole trek up from mexico and then she ended up dying like two days later yeah in in, in while in detention or yeah vaguely. and they yeah and they blamed it all on the border patrol and all that and they, they did flip out about that but yeah, Biden has overseen like the most migrant deaths ever. You don't hear a peep about it. A peep. No, I mean nothing. The the example of the tractor trailer atrocity, I think, is it's it's one oh, yeah. that should have gotten their attention. It had smuggling. Uh, they had to track the tractor trailer down. It was something like sixty. It was something like sixty four people plugged into this like a cattle car. Uh, Forty eight died from the heat exhaustion. They, but that's they, not they even the first overhead. time that's they happened, Stephen. That happens every year. That right. happens had, every they year. Had, they had overhead footage of like bodies covered and just laying yeah. on the highway. And our media shrugged at it. They didn't send any reporters down there. They just went, oh, that's a shame. And they didn't care. And so, again, I do think that there is a section of this public that sees – they see how – the entire corporate media was descended upon Martha's Vineyard over this in less than 12 hours. They were there. Right. Um, and Bill Malusian, the only there, guy. They got there or they were helicoptered there. And every single network had somebody there with a microphone to put in a face. And you guys couldn't do that when you had 1,100 people under an overpass. Yeah. I mean, the, the Haitians. This. Yeah, none of none of them paid for a plane ticket to go down and talk to some Haitians who were sweating their asses off in 100-degree heat. Underneath the bridge, they didn't care about that. But, you know, um, I think it's really funny how, like, they don't – I'll just – this will be my last thing. How they, they don't care about, like, all these deaths out in the desert and everything from dehydration and just disease and everything. But remember during COVID, it was all like, if it prevents one life, they were, like, on the edge of their seat about to 
kill someone because, oh my God, you didn't wear a mask. And if it just prevents one more death, but they don't give a shit about thousands of people dying in Chicago or 1300 migrants dying in the desert. Those deaths do not phase them one bit. None of those deaths. Yeah, and I mean, and you bring up the interesting thing about like gun violence in cities like Chicago. We're not obviously allowed to talk about that either. And you never hear when, them say when, if it prevents you know, one when more the Kinesha, when the Kenesha Bryant shooting or whatever happens. Yeah. Um, again, you you don't you don't know the name of the girl uh, whose life was saved. You don't know her name. You don't. And again, it's like you don't know the name of the bodega owner in Ferguson. Um, mm-hmm. And so you know, yeah. again, it's you don't it's, know the it's, name it's by of the design, and it's by. Yeah. The fact that we, we can't talk about what's happening in Democrat-run places, which is, again, it's a little hard on the Martha's Vineyard because this is such a small community. It's a famous community. And so that's what I think is the smartest thing about what DeSantis did. And I asked it on my podcast. It's like, what was the least amount of people he could have flown there to not have a freakout? Five? Six? I think if he would have, if he literally would have dropped seven people off, we, you still would have seen this kind of freakout. And so by only putting 40 people, 40, 50 people there um, mm-hmm. and to see this amount of attention and uh, hy- hysterics over 50 people, I think, is what really proved the point here. He didn't send a caravan. He didn't send 2000 people to overwhelm the community and just, you know, trash it and hang out or do whatever, or sleep on the streets. It was just enough people there to where it was like, oh, shit, you need the National Guard to escort 45 people off of this island. Yeah, I think that that was Uh, the smartest thing about it. And that's did he did he say why he chose Martha's Vineyard? I haven't heard anything about how that location. It's it's pretty obvious why they chose Martha's Vineyard. It's it's one. It's one of the wealthiest communities in the country. It's one of the wealthiest liberal communities in the country. They host, um, you know, they, they host Democratic fundraiser after Democratic fundraiser there. Hillary Clinton basically made the made. Martha, Martha's Vineyard, the second home for so many years that she was campaigning. Barack Obama has a home there. It was just in the news for his birthday party, his 60th okay. party this past year. And that's, I mean, that's another thing. There were less, there were fewer migrants in this, on these flights than were invited to Obama's COVID party. And so, which also <laughs> wasn't a super spreader. And so that's what I mean. It exposes so many different little levels of hypocrisy. And that's yeah. why it was so, that's why it, it, it was as smart as it was. And I don't think that this was about owning the libs as, as, you know, people at the bulwark and other places want you to believe. This isn't something that we're all enjoying because it's aha libs owned. It's something we're enjoying because it has literally unmasked everyone from the White House press secretary to the president to the uh, the residents who virtue signal who think they're better than you or I because, again, they have a yard sign uh, <laughs> to the fact that they had to call in the National Guard. Why? You know what? If you need to call in the National Guard for 45 people on an island, why can't yeah. you call them in for 200,000 in Texas? You can go down the line of all of this. And I, I think that that's why, again, it got under their skin the way it did. And that's why they were forced to just go, this is just like Hitler. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like sending people to Auschwitz is no different than sending them to Martha's Vineyard. What's going on in Auschwitz that we need to know about besides apparently oh. rabid anti-Semitism and giant crab animals. boils. So anyway, Andrea, <laughs> sorry about the tech problems. No, uh, you're fine. Sure, you're I'll fine. Sure that, uh, I'll message them out. like on Google play or something. I'm on a Samsung okay. phone. So. Okay. <laughs> I need to talk to their tech team. They like me. So okay. thanks, Andrea. Bye.
Uh, we're doing a good pace. I'm going to try to wrap up here in the next 20 minutes, but uh, go ahead, kerfuffle, Susan. How are you? Hello? Yep, go ahead. Yep, you had it. Hit the unmute button. Can you hear me? Yep, you're good. Go ahead. Okay, sorry. It kept flipping. Um, Listen, I just wrote something real quick um, that... You know, the migrants pay cartels between six and 30 grand a piece to transport them across the border, to and across the border. And these same migrants and their NGO advocates, <clears throat> excuse me, then demand U.S. taxpayers pay for their travel, shelter, and health care. So if this is the reality the Biden administration allows, how about they just cut out the corrupt middlemen and charge the same fees the cartels are extracting, which will then cover all these costs. But, of course, that would require admitting all sorts of inconvenient truths. But that's the real situation, is that on the one hand, the cartels are being wildly enriched by conducting this trade. And then on the other, the minute they land here, then they're like, gimme, gimme, gimme. I'm like, wait a minute, you just gave people you know, unbelievable amounts of money to get you here. Why do we owe you anything? Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's certainly an element of that. Um, I also think, I mean, a, a good chunk of these people are trying to escape places like Venezuela and Guatemala and Cuba. And that doesn't mean we have to let them in by any means, but the sheer volume of people coming from kind of these failed nation states and the cartels, which have pretty much run Mexico anyway, um, they have to go through Mexico to get here. Um, no, I understand all sailing. that. But, like, so, who are they so to the demand free ones... stuff from us? Who are they to demand, like, a penny from us? If you want money, okay, turn around. Go back out. No free stuff. You know, because it's, it's wildly expensive to take these people in. It's not like a small thing. It's well, in the tens of thousands of dollars per. We're, we're going to very quickly spend about $20,000 per every person that comes across the border within a very short amount of time. So what's, so, so what's the solution? Um, you know, the obvious solution is no, you can't come in. But, you know, if, you, if we're going to let them in. But that has to be enforced, that, though. So how, how do we do that? Right. Well, the, then the second thing is to, is to demand, say, okay, if we're going to let them in, then we let them in, you know, and we charge them. Instead of like, you know, the cartels, like, let's admit what this is going on here instead of pretending that this is, you know, something it's not. Because the other thing that's wildly unfair, I years ago, I met an Iraqi translator who um, the Oregon Guard were in Iraq in, I believe, 2003. And he was one of these translators that helped them. And then in the middle of the night, him and his family had to skedaddle out of Iraq to, you know, some tent uh, refugee camp in Turkey or wherever it was, Syria. I, I forget where it was. But they lived in those tents for nine years waiting to come here. Nine years to come here legally. And that was with all sorts of people from the Oregon Guard trying to bring them because they're like, this guy saved our lives. You know, and so for every single one of these illegal people, they're allowed to just walk in the border that's controlled by the cartels. There is somebody really worthy in Afghanistan, in Iraq, you know, or just a regular person in India who's going to contribute to the economy here. You know, everyone we let in is another one we're not letting in as well. So the, the levels of hypocrisy are, you know, as much as this was really entertaining with Martha's Vineyard and whatnot, the levels of hypocrisy here just are one on top of the other on top of the other.
No, I mean, you make you make valid points about immigration. It's not, I mean, you obviously, I'm with you on that. If we can't, if we can't let in, you know, Afghan, Afghanistan translators, which we're not, that's, that's another thing that's kind of hundreds under the radar. of them waiting. Um, that's, that's one that's kind of under the radar that there's sort of coverage on, but not really. Um, and so, no, I, I agree with you. I agree. You make all valid points. Um, but again, I mean, the question is, is how, how do we stop it? And there's no, there's no easy answer for that to even say, Hey, you know, when they get here, turn them around and fly them back because that's then even also, you know, costing us money. And so, I mean, that's ultimately the debate. And that's what happens when you don't nip problems like this, when they start, you know, in the mid, you know, mid to late seventies, early eighties, which is where this just all kind of ballooned. And we're here, what, 40, 35, 40 years later, and it's an impossible problem to solve. Yeah. And even before the Biden administration started, there was an estimated 20 to 30 million here. Like, it's kind of hard to say. It's somewhere between 20 and 30 million. And, you know, including visa stayovers and whatnot from wherever. And now, I think by the time that Biden's done, it's going to be 10 million during his four years. Something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be probably the most in history that ever, you know, the influx that we've ever seen. Um, and, and like I said, I'm, you know, I, I'm such a cynic to to know that we're not going to fix the problem. So my attitude is, why not get these people on our side? Yeah, I just, I you know, too many of them, I'm sorry, and maybe as a big guy, you don't have the same sense of alarm that I do. But like this rapist that was just caught in, I think it was in Washington, D.C., that was raping women on the running trails. It turns out he had been deported twice already. He was a known sexual assaulter. Yeah. And and, and there's a bunch of those. And this was, to me, Trump's best point with immigration. It wasn't building the wall. It wasn't, you know, alligators with moats. His best point was when he had, you know, victims of immigration. illegal immigration crime families up on stage with him. And Democrats don't have an answer for that one either. Um, It's, you know, there is a chunk of them that do come in, they do commit crime, we deport them, they come back. And then some of them is a lot of is a violent crime. And, and then of course we saw the flip out when basically Trump described those people as animals and the entire media and democratic complex tried to gaslight us into thinking this isn't what he just said or what he heard. And so that to me is also like one of the strongest hitting points that those are all people that should and could be alive. I think one of them was like a 13 year old girl who was killed by a drunk driver who's an illegal immigrant. Mm -hmm. And until you get a media that forces Democrats to answer that question, um, which they can't, they never have been able to do it. I think their attitude is, well, you know, that's collateral for a good chunk of people who are just trying to escape communism, which is the funniest thing John Pierre is saying all week, which is that they're running from communism. Well, we haven't designated Venezuela a communist state. So there's some news that a competent media would ask, but they don't. So, I mean, those are all good points. And yet, and and you're right. Um, I, I don't think the democratic party or our media, for example, have a good answer for that other than to, demonize the right whenever you bring up violent crime of illegal of illegal immigrants they simply say oh you're just trying to demonize all of them and it's kind of like eh, i think these guys are, are doing a, a good enough job of that themselves so I'll, I'll give you a last word go ahead um my only last word is that i emailed you some time ago a poster of one of those yard signs or a picture of one of those yard signs that's got like weeds growing all over it and that 
yard sign, this picture, it's in front of uh, the biggest house in my neighborhood, one of these big Italian villas that's right next to the hiking trails here. And the couple is a, he's a trauma surgeon and his younger wife is, I call her Becky Tifa. You know, she was one of those that was like, you know, our neighborhood, Black Lives Matter, you know, rabble rouser or whatever. And, you know, and it's a giant house, two adults, two dogs, no kids. And it's just, you know, we are having, it's similar to the immigration issue. We're having like wild increases in crime here, not in my neighborhood because it's fancy neighborhood. But, um, you know, they, they, these people go run around breaking things and walking away like, you know, like Tom and Daisy, you know, they just, they break things, walk away. Oh, we made a problem, but uh, we've moved on to, you know, trans kids or whatever. So, and so the same thing, it's going to be as it's, it's the same thing as Martha's Vineyard. If that house has, you know, some black robbers break in all of a sudden, you know, maybe that sign's going to disappear or something, but no, as long as the trouble they're making is, you know, there was a, okay, this is definitely the last thing. There was a, a black mother on television crying because there's a TikTok challenge in which these young black kids are stealing Kias and Hyundais because apparently you can hack with a USB. And this mother's teen daughter has crashed two cars that she stole already. And she called the police and begged them to arrest her daughter before she crashes in another time and maybe dies in the crash or kills someone else and ends up in prison for years. And the police are like, we can't do anything. And that's the whole, you know, result also of all this Black Lives Matter nonsense. It's not just that it's hurting the victims of the crime, which are largely black as well. But it's it's turning it's giving a permission structure to these teens to do crime and then ruining their lives because, you know, they do crime and something very bad happens. Well, it's like the two and, it's like the two girls that carjacked that Uber driver in D.C. Exactly. killed him. And basically our media and Muriel Bowser blamed institutional racism for it. Well, but <laughs> because here's we can't like blame the actual Again, this, mother this, on this television. Comes back, this comes back to the policy of that I wrote about with Jackson. We're not allowed to blame progressive policymaking because that would mean holding them responsible, which then would jeopardize their electoral chances, which means putting in a Republican. And we all know that those people are a threat to democracy now. No, 100 percent. But this is a black mother on television crying. And we constantly every week we have like pastors from these black neighborhoods or different people saying, please, 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 we need police. And then you get some white city councilor comes on television and says, no, 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 that would be racist. And the black people are begging for it. And the white people are like, no, 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 that's racist. Uh, I mean, that's what it is. It's white savior progressivism. It's like I said, it's like when I joke about putting the, uh, the black square on the Instagram account. Uh, thanks. I'm going to move on with, um, Pierce okay. here, but I appreciate that. Thanks. Uh, we'll go Pierce, uh, Joseph, Julia, and then we'll wrap up. So sorry if some of you are back there, um, but we're already going on two hours here. So hurry up, Pierce. Go ahead. Yeah, I appreciate the time, Stephen. So uh, a few cycles of news ago, uh, Barry Weiss on her podcast, honestly, she had the uh, the economist Larry Summers on there. And at the time, the Inflation Reduction Act had just passed the Senate 
after uh, Senator Manchin flipped to approve the bill. So this was the bill, obviously, I think everyone knows this, but this is the bill that uh, was being allotted for uh, the critical spending that it allowed. And, and no one talks much about it seriously reducing the inflation. So anyway, uh, in the interview, I thought it was really interesting because uh, Weiss tries to pin Summers down on a few things and Summers just uh, avoids Barry Weiss. I thought that was weird. Uh, the exchange goes something like, uh, first she talks up Larry Summers about his, his creds, his bona fides, uh, talks about the political reporting on Summers being instrumental in flipping Manchin, and then asks him, hey, can you take us behind the scenes a little bit there and tell us what happened? Like, how did you sell Joe Manchin? And Summers responds, no, I can't, Barry. I could, but I won't. Weiss, well, how about this? How did you sell him? Summers then spends the next 100 seconds not answering her question, just talks about whatever else. Uh, Weiss then asks Summers, if, if he's happy with, you know, the bill, given the analysis at the time that was like, oh yeah, this is going to do nothing for inflation. And, and, and Larry Summers says, oh yeah, I'm happy because it, it invests in the climate and invests in healthcare and other things that down the road will impact inflation for the better. Uh, and to me, I thought that was pretty interesting. It sounds like the Summers guy, which is in the bag. And I don't know what he said to Joe Manchin, but I can only speculate as something like, hey man, you need to get, you know, in with the party line and party voting. Like, you know, what the hell are you doing? Um, yeah, to this day, I don't know why Manchin did it. I mean, the, the thing with the political right and, and, and all these like dumping on Joe Manchin or dump, using Manchin to dump on the political left is always fun. Um, but I have no idea. Uh, if he runs again, he's probably not going to win over this. So, uh, that's the other speculation is that he basically said, I'm going to be a good party line Democrat on my way out the door, possibly. Cause I think he's up in 24, I think he's up, and um, that, of course, will be a seat that probably goes to a Republican anyway. So I don't know why he yeah. did it. Yeah, no, that's that's fine. I just thought it was interesting. Barry Weiss trying to pin down this economist, and she talks him up, and he just instead has become like a rat weasel on air. So anyway, thanks, nope, David. She's a, she's a very smart journalist slash interviewer. She knows how to kind of bring a guest in and then say, okay, hey, but what about this? Um, which is why, of course, she didn't fit in at the New York Times. So thanks, Pierce. Uh, we'll go Joseph and Julia. Go ahead, Joseph. You've been back there a while. Hey. Um, <clears throat> I guess to talk about in relation to the Martha Vineyard discourse. Have you seen the um? Have you seen the video circulating with Ken Burns comparing Ron DeSantis sending migrants to Martha's Vineyard to the Holocaust? Yeah. I mean, it's again. It's what's so funny is how many of these people that were kind of cultural beacons for so many years just turn out to just be shallow rank partisans. And that's, that's something, you know, social media has revealed about two industries, historians and journalists. Yeah. That's the thing though, even though Ken Burns is not really a historian, he has a bachelor degree in like film studies, but like, I don't hate, I don't really hate the guy per se. I like, you know, some of his documentaries and stuff, but just this new one, in promoting, you know, the U.S. and the Holocaust, which it is a very valid sort of like, I think the documentary itself is probably a valid, a valid look into sort of like how the more or less how the <clears throat> how the U.S. sort of turned a blind eye to the Holocaust until it was too late. But what kind of gets like irksome is that like how Ken Burns will tries to like tie it in to say like the rise of the alt-right and more or less like to the Charlottesville 
And like, I think it was like CBS Morning where he was saying, it's like, I'm not calling, I was like, I'm not necessarily calling like, you know, people like these who are like Trump supporters Nazi, but I'm just saying like, let's not have this, let's not, let's, let's not have this happen again. At first I was like, okay. But then I'm like, well, this is already happening, Ken. Like, look what's happening in China with the Uyghur Muslims. Um, yeah, again, that's, it's, it's showing, ignoring the problems and, um, China's always is, you know, one of my favorite whipping horses with this stuff. Um, because it does, it, sh- it shows you again, people like LeBron James or people who have major investments in China, and then they're free to speak out against what they perceive as human rights abuses in this country while investing millions in a literal genocidal dictatorship. Um, and of course it's, you know, it's one of the dangers with China is they have such a foothold in so many parts and they did it over you know, 20, 25 years, pretty much starting middle way through the Clinton administration and nobody paid attention to it. We just all turned a blind eye to it and here they are. And now they have basically an extreme cultural foothold. Uh, something I don't know if, uh, you guys are aware of, but, uh, Jenny Tayer of, uh, the daily call investigative border immigration reporter for the daily caller news foundation has an exclusive that says illegal migrants flown to Martha's Vineyard were informed of destination and documents confirm. It says these were the documents migrants were given before they boarded planes to Martha's Vineyard. They clearly show the destination and provide options for local resources in the area. And as I said, that's why I was skeptical of, uh, and I need to obviously look into this and not take it at face value, but that's why I was skeptical of this immigration uh, attorney uh, grandstanding last night on uh, to the cameras about them being deceived. She offered no evidence that they were deceived. So this will be another fun one. Another fun narrative bites the dust. So there you go. Um, do you have anything else on this? What was your favorite part of the last two days with this whole thing, Joseph? Uh, seeing a video. besides besides the Holocaust comparisons. Uh, seeing the video online of like a mariachi band playing there. I forgot what movie it was from. It's like a Ben Stiller movie. I think you probably seen oh, it. So, yeah, someone said this is uh, Martha's Vineyard right now. Yeah, and, that's uh, the one I'm saying. <laughs> oh, it was like the Heartbreak Kid or some shit. That yeah, I think that's what it's um, And so, yeah, Mariachi Band. He's, he's breaking up with his wife or something, and there's a Mariachi Band playing right in front of him. He's trying to throw money at them to go away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the rich people at Martha's Vineyard. The other funny one I see, and, and I see things that I think are funny. I don't always share. Um, but, uh, I just don't need the grief. Um, but the other one was Kamala Harris coming out to her bus and saying, Oh, I love it so much. And someone had put, uh, Martha's vineyard across it and put a dancing mariachi in front of her. Um, yeah, I mean, they just, the, the internet remains undefeated. Oh, it's so, um, Joseph, good to hear from you. I'm going to move on because I want to get this wrapped up and get on with my Friday night, but, uh, it's good to hear from you again as always. So take care. Finally, um, Julia, bring us home. Don't let us down. You're the last one on the show. Uh, go ahead. Okay. Can you hear me, Stephen? Yep, you're good. Go ahead. Okay. I just have a few things that I've been meaning to tell you. Um, the first is I agree with you on mashed potatoes that it's not worth it to make them yourself. But when you start saying you don't care about mashed potatoes, that's where you lose people. Okay. No, I, I mean, 
I like mashed potatoes. I, I will have them for Thanksgiving or around. I, I also like them on other meals and stuff like that. Um, but if I'm cooking six or seven things, yes, I don't care about the mashed potatoes. You're getting my, you're getting microwavable mashed potatoes if I'm doing the Thanksgiving. I'm sorry. The ma- the microwavable kind, those are actually pretty good. I They're not bad. Them. And uh, like I'll throw in like some chives and some butter and I'll, I'll, I'll doctor them up. It's not like I just throw them, you know, on the table in a dog food bowl. Um, although that sometimes that works, but no, you doctor them up. I'm just not going to waste my time when I'm doing five other intricate dishes. I'm not going to waste my time with the fucking potatoes. That's just the amount of effort that you put in for what you get out of it. When you're right, you can just get them in a package and microwave them is, uh, it's just not worth it when you already have a busy day of, of meal planning. I I totally agree. And microwave potatoes are totally acceptable in polite society. So I'm glad we've settled that. Um, the second thing, I don't think I felt as connected, like, with my fellow Republicans as far as, like, uh, you know we're all feeling the same thing since the Brett Kavanaugh hearings. Except that, you know, at that time... And if you, and if you recall, not to jump in, mm-hmm. the same kind of finger-waggers are the same people here going, oh, he needs to recuse himself. He needs to go. He, they, 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 mm-hmm. And that's what I mean. That's where, that's where I think a lot of these people lost, even a lot of the non-Trump right. Because I think that even a lot of the non-Trump right, guys like me were like, yeah, I agree... I, I agree with some of your attitudes with Trump and I agree with some of the things I, there's, there's a few opinions I agree on with people at the Bulwark and dispatch. Um, but then these are people who then like turn their guns on me and they turn their guns on other people who would naturally agree with them. And then we just go, Hey, what are you doing? Point that, point that over there. What the fuck are you doing? And you're not seeing that with Kemp in Georgia where literally the, the governor who took the most shit from Donald Trump over the 2020 election and he's no longer good enough for those people over there. And it's exhausting. And, you know, I'll, I'll let you finish here, but that's, you're right in the sense of how many people are just collectively just going, holy shit. And if you notice, it's the same kind of group of professional naysayers um, and the near dwellers who are sitting here going, he needs to recuse. You can't put him on the bench. No, you can't. Wait, over what? An, un- an unproven accusation? Is that enough to do it? Really? And you're seeing the same kind of attitude here. Like you, you shouldn't be using these people as pawns. It's like they're already being used as pawns. Okay. We're simply responding and we're simply saying, we don't have the resources for this. You take them. You want them. You're a sanctuary city. You take them. And so uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but again, you do bring up a point of, I don't know if it's a unity, but it's a lot of the same people agreeing on uh, the hypocrisy that this exposes. And so- Um, I would agree that there is an element of that with Kavanaugh, but even more so, there is um, a, an element of the same people going, no, this is not a good idea. You can't do this. This is not a good idea. And for the most part, a good chunk of those people just kind of get tuned out. Yeah, it's sort of like a collective consciousness. Like we're sort of looking at each other like, do they really not realize like how ridiculous this is? I mean... I I don't know, but I think it, it is. I like that you point out how people treated or how liberals treated, you know, John McCain when he was running for office as, 
you know, as opposed to at his funeral when he a, ra- a, ra- a racist warmonger. Yeah. And the same with like Sarah Palin and, you know, I, all the like willing, Jeb Bush. I'm, They're all I'm, like, oh. I'm willing to bet you <laughs> that somewhere along this line, you're going to hear something along the lines from someone. I don't know who. It'll be somebody on the left, uh, a, a, somebody who's a thinker on the left. It could be someone like Iglesias or Ezra Klein or David Brooks, who will I shit you not say. It'll be something along the lines of this. And then if I'm right, we can clip this and play it. It will be, yes, Donald Trump had authoritarian tendencies. And of course, January 6th means he's never fit to serve. But at least he never used immigrants in this way. I guarantee you're going to hear something along the lines of that coming in, coming either out of this or in the next few months or possibly in the next presidency. I mean, forget, you know, what they'll say about DeSantis, like, and how he's worse than Trump. They would say that about Larry Hogan if he were to run. Right. I mean, any yeah, any Republican, it, they've always been Hitler to the left. Like, I remember, like, when George Bush was in office, like, it was, you know, the age of MySpace and stuff. And I remember, like, being on the Internet for the first time and really hearing people talk about, you know, p- politicians and stuff. And I was just, I never understood, like, why are they, why are they acting like George Bush as a war criminal? And then to go from that, that was like child's play compared to like how evil Trump is. And it's just, you know, I love that you never like, let people forget about how Morning Joe, you know, had him on so many times and he was pals with everyone. And then and, oh, that, and, now you, and, you, and now you have a section of the political right that embraces Morning Joe. They go on his show or they embrace Jeff Zucker, CNN. And that's ultimately my issue. And it's so, so take someone like Larry Hogan. If Larry Hogan was a DOP nominee, I'd probably vote for him. I wouldn't have any problem with that. But you have people like Larry Hogan uh, embrace people who fucking hate him and don't want him anywhere near it, but they'll welcome him in to bet to badmouth the, the other Republicans and the other conservatives. And that's where I just get off the train. I'm not going to be that person. I'm not going to be a useful tool for corporate media to do that. Um, and I think there is a section of people who are like that. Uh, the funniest to me is Chris Christie, who basically did it in reverse. Chris Christie was, you know, uh, he was revered, he was hated, and then he sold out and uh, for Trump, and then he turned on Trump, and now he's on ABC News and, and all of this stuff, and now he, like Trump's making fun of him, um, which I'm fully fine with. Chris Christie deserves all the humiliation in the world um, for what he did, and now there's talk of Christie probably running again. And so now he'll go back to being hated by the media, too. It's, it's all a game, and they want you to play it, and that's the best thing to do is just not play it. Yeah, I just, I really lose respect for politicians like Christie when they, they suck up to Trump, but they're trying to play both sides at the same time. You know, like they want to just never have reason to incite Trump's anger, but they also want to act like they're better than him. So I, I don't even care. He could have every pot, like, every position on policies that I agreed with. And I just still would have a really hard time voting for him. Anyway, the third and final thing I wanted to say is that it, 
it's so funny that you mentioned, I think it was on your podcast, Larry David, how he could take care of all of those migrants, you know, like he took yeah. in, like he took in the blacks. Yep, and I, the blacks. I was just thinking that same thing the other day, <laughs> like, yeah. oh yeah, he's one of the people who lives on Martha's Vineyard. So it literally feels like we're in an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I'm, uh, in the sense of like, Larry, Larry would be virtue signaling how much he loves immigrants. And then like, you know, they do, they do show up and it's like, uh, how do I get rid of these people? Yeah. Um, or, or how do you do that? Um, but yeah, that's exactly kind of what I was thinking. I'm like, all it, all it would have taken is Obama or Jerry Seinfeld or John Kerry or any of those guys that live on that island to just fly back there. If this was a real humanitarian crisis, as they called it, and just open their doors and say, come on in. We'll figure this out. I'll, I'm going to call a caterer. They're going to be here in 30 minutes. We'll get you guys some hot soup and we'll get you guys showered and cleaned up. Uh, we'll, we'll get in touch with some immigration attorneys. They can come in. They would be hailed a hero on the political left. Um, the other thing I said today, if I'm, if I'm advising Joe Biden, I would advise him to go, I'd go to Cape Cod military base and meet with these people and take a photographer and say, see, we're going to take care of you not DeSantis and not saying that that's the truth, but that's what the optics of the situation would be. And instead, what did we get? We got Joe Biden in a tuxedo lamenting that 50 migrants were dropped off at Martha's Vineyard. Uh, that's right. The, the Island that's right next to the close family friend of the Kennedys. Yeah. Well, this week I've just, I've honestly been grateful for the, for the comic relief because you don't get many stories like this that are just that starkly, you know, insane. But anyway, I appreciate all your continued excellent podcasting. And I just thought of one more thing that I wanted to tell you. Go ahead. You are far too apologetic about, you know, missing a date when you said that you were going to do a podcast. And if people, you know, gripe at you, like, just fuck them because you you give us so much content for just three dollars and you know I just want to say you know eh, if you have a yeah, yeah, but I mean, disaster you know most of us are I'm, totally understanding yeah I mean but on the other hand people are paying for content they're paying for a service and there's times when I I totally get it if I have some stupid thing come up um, or happen like happened with my car this week or whatever, um, where I'm just like, fuck, I'm not gonna be able to record today or whatever. Um, and then there's other times where I'm kind of like, no, this is a personal, you know, personal family slash emergency. And, uh, I, I just don't handle griping on those things that well, but no, I, I do, I do charge people money, whether it's $3 or not. Um, that's the plus side. I don't charge really enough for people to lose their shit. Although you'd be surprised. Um, but you, when you do charge people their wallets, uh, they do, ex they do expect things and I'm totally fine with that. So, um, but on the other hand, I'm doing this now two to three nights a week just to kind of make up for some of that. Um, so, but no, I appreciate it, but no, I, I see kind of both sides of it. So when people, when people are giving me their coin, uh, they, they expect the monkey to dance. So, well, you're too hard on yourself, but we appreciate everything you do. So I hope you have a great weekend. Thanks, Julia. It keeps me humble. Think of it that way. So, 
Um, sorry, I, I wanted to say sorry to JD there. We're just going to wrap up. I've been doing this two hours now, and uh, it's our Friday night, so everyone needs to go out and get drunk now. So thanks, everyone, for your thoughts. It's been a fun week. Uh, this has been Episode 43, Martha's Wineyard. <laughs> Um, I will be back on Versus Media tomorrow. I have a podcast, probably late AM. Uh, probably going to do an AMA, a wrap-up of the week. So be sure to leave comments, questions over on Patreon. And uh, I'll talk a little bit more about what's going on with Patreon over there as well. So, um, again, thanks to all my callers who chimed in tonight. It was a fun one. And, uh, again, thanks to you guys for coming into the room. You've kept this show that we do here, this fun live experiment, uh, the second-rated uh, show on all of Colin. And if you scroll down, you see some names back there. Um, it's pretty fun. So, again, but you guys do that. So, again, thanks to callers. Thanks to listeners. I will uh, see you all tomorrow uh, on Versus Me on Patreon. Have a good Friday night. Cheers.